2: Let's go! Let's go! Come! On. Let's be clear. Shrine of Duty. You are being interviewed today as a witness, not as a suspect. The official, unofficial podcast. My team will get to the root of anything. Shrine of Duty.
0: Hello and welcome to Shrine of Duty. I'm Brendan.
3: I'm Hannah, and I'm Rebecca.
0: And Hannah might sound a little distant. That's because she is. We're in a pandemic, and we can't all be together at the moment.
3: Hannah, yeah, I'm how are you? The car, guys. <laughs>
0: back in the yeah, car yeah I'm
1: okay except I just thought being in the car in September would be a little less warm
3: but not.
0: crack a window i sweating
3: it's a bit humid today but you know what Hannah I do feel like we're still together virtually kind of no we
1: are still together in spirits Yes
0: Yes, We are, we are uh, This is season three, lads Rewatching this Just cemented the fact that this is my favourite line of duty season ever This is where it like really just knocks it up a gear Like this is where the ted starts. start Steve starts wearing the waistcoat it's, it's just, it's next level
3: It's absolutely fantastic uh, Danny Waldron, Jesus Christ And I'm telling you, Dot really stole the show for me as well yeah. Parkinson
1: this is Dot's season but it's equally Kate's season this is when she does some serious undercover work oh, yeah. serious detective work and she saves the day like she solves it
3: they'd be screwed without Kate this season honest to god Steve would be in a jail cell Dot would be bloody I don't know caddying around still
0: it's so yeah, funny I kind of,
1: not the word
0: it's so funny watching Kate it back season. Yeah, it's so funny watching it back. Um, knowing what we know now from like seasons four and five, looking at season three now, knowing what we know, I'm like, how did I miss that stuff that we can't talk about yes. yet? If people knowing what we
1: know, stuff that we can't talk about. But I will go as far as to say, on record, this is the best season of television ever.
0: Wow.
3: I, yeah, I, think I think it is think... definitely. It's definitely the best season of Line of Duty and it's it's th- like watching it back I appreciate it so much more now especially after understanding more about season two because I watched season two so long ago and because we just did the podcast about season two yeah. you need season two for season three or it doesn't hit hard.
1: They're completely connected and season three episode six which is the first season and only feature length line of Judy episode. I'm right. That's the only one. No, right?
0: there was a ninety minute at the end of season five, wasn't there?
1: Season five. Okay. So the first um, feature length episode is the best episode of television, and I yeah, I, I I'll argue with anyone about that. It's so I'm good. I'm so
3: excited to talk about it and go through every detail with you. Uh,
0: okay. So we've a, a bit of business now to do before we start. We're going to recap season three. What I don't know how to pronounce this.
3: You're the posh spice of this trio. Why? I just feel like you are. You're down to business. <laughs> Can I be Jeremy then? <laughs> yeah, I don't know who I am. I think I'm Melanie C now, Kate. to be honest.
0: Lovely okay, woman. Yeah,
3: I just think with the blonde
0: hair, but yeah. Uh, so Patreon, Patreon. How are we going to say this?
3: I say Patreon because Patreon. because my oh. boyfriend one day was like, "How? Hey, what's the crap? What is what is Pat Patreon Patreon?" He's like, "So you're a patron." Yeah. And then that made me think that it's Patreon because oh. you're a patron like the patron
1: saint of Ireland like no the, the patron is
3: in your pay <laughs> <laughs> you pay for something <laughs>
1: the yeah well it's saint the same word isn't it like a patron saint yeah. yes it is yes right that's yes. how we'll say it then because I'll remember St Patrick's Day patron saint of Ireland <laughs> Patreon
0: blessed be um, okay so we're on pa- Patreon is that what we're saying we're on Patreon you'll find us the usual handle at ShrinePod and basically if you like what we do and you want to give us a few quid Please do. It's totally up to you. It
3: costs but the money is to look Fresh. this cheap.
0: <laughs> to quote Dolly Parton.
3: Yes, it does cost money to look, to look this cheap. But it, honestly, it's, it's one of these things. If you have a few quid to spare, it's the price of a coffee a month. It's completely up to you how much you want to give. And if you like listening to us, we'd really appreciate it. And we do send people personal messages because we like to talk to everybody, don't we?
0: We do.
1: Maybe hate should
3: be on yeah, at some no point.
1: Yeah, no We'll be doing it anyway. But just if yeah, you're exactly. feeling generous.
0: Exactly. Okay, that's the business out of the way now. Um, I
1: didn't. that was a bit uncomfortable. Oh wasn't no, totally it? uncomfortable. Well, I, hate, yeah, I, I
0: hate, that. hate that.
3: It's a really weird one, isn't it? It's a really strange one. But then you know what? It's just support the arts.
4: Mm.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I had a big gulp of water there. <laughs> My mouth was gone dry after begging. please sir (laughs) right that's out of the
3: way we'll do it again another time
0: we will yeah Um, okay cool season 3 Line of Duty our absolute fave Rebecca you're up first
3: okay so the series opens with an officer briefing a firearms team at Southbury Police Station about a suspect that's under surveillance as part of Operation Damson okay so Operation Damson is an initiative aimed at preventing gangland murders it's understood that said suspect is a known criminal armed and extremely dangerous and is about to commit a gangland execution right so I mean there's no messing around straight in no kissing like there's serious shit going on at the very start of season 3 so Inspector Mac Andrews is put in charge of four vehicles who have to wait for orders to intercept so the officers sign out their ammunition and arms and they head on their mission we first meet Officer Danny Waldron. He spots the suspect's car and he starts to follow him. They tail him the car. So Danny and his team receive a Fahrenheit order. So we know that serious shit. The look
0: that he gives in that briefing. When the when the image of your man comes up, the look that Danny Waldron gives. Yeah.
3: Uh, absolutely. But when you're watching this so fast, you don't even no. register no, no, any no, no, of that. No. So... Um, basically Danny has spotted the suspect he's tailing him the siren wails and they speed through the street suddenly Danny tells the driver to make a hard stop and trap the suspect the others are really hesitant and go tubbing the suspect has already made a break for it and runs from his car Danny's team urge their skipper to slow down and they're trying to get their helmets and their guns on but Danny's already ahead chasing the suspect on foot down a laneway so the pair reach a dead end Danny tells him to stand down and the suspect who's facing up wall puts his hands above his head and removes the gun from his jeans he throws it far away to one side to eliminate its threat while the other three officers are still making their way to danny the suspect turns around him and danny stare at each other extremely intensely danny pulls the trigger shooting the suspect three times and killing him instantly i mean someone's dead within the first three minutes really yeah Okay, so Danny's team call his name and right before their arrival, Danny moves the suspect's legs. When Rod, Jackie and Harry get there, Danny explains the suspect refused to surrender his firearm, but Harry snaps back and he's like, Jesus Christ, look where the gun is. Danny blames the distance of the gun on a brain injury, a muscle spasm. He's like, oh, he chucked it. But Jackie is like, this really doesn't look good. So Danny says, listen, it was self-defense, but he's like, I'm going to get loads of shit for this. Um, So he actually picks up the gun and moves it closer to the suspect the team beg him to they're just like please don't make this worse but Danny is like you guys should have gotten here sooner so I'm going to cover for you but he's like I'm going to say you all arrived at the same time and you shouted armed police and then he pulled the gun and Danny's like listen I'm putting this in the report unless you man up. So. He's an
0: absolute prick. Like, would we call that gaslighting? It's not gaslighting, but like... He completely traps them. He yeah. blackmailed. Like,
3: he basically is like, you should have been here, so yeah. it's your fault, so I'm going to do this. He's just like, I've killed Total this person prick. and I'm going to get away with it. Um, he then asks the three of them to shoot over the suspect's body in the direction that they would have fired him uh, fired in if they had managed to get there in time when rod says no danny gets really aggressive rod shoots followed by jackie but harry hesitates so danny pulls the suspect's gun and shoots as he would have uh, in waldron's made up narrative so he picks up the gun that the suspect had to be like the, that he shot at us even though he yeah. never did and um, the gov aka mcandrew arrives and danny assures her that him and the other afos all did their job so he is like sticking with that story from the very beginning. Ted and Steve find a new fancy rod, don't you?
0: Oh Oh, my God! Uh, What's the actor's name again?
3: I don't know. I don't know. You're only talking about Will Meller Will Mellor. Will Mellor. He was in Hollyoaks, wasn't he?
0: He was in two pints of lager and a pack of crisps as well. Oh,
3: he's absolutely. I feel like he was definitely in Hollyoaks. Yeah. Or else he should have been. Ding dong. <laughs> um, okay, so <laughs> Ted and Steve arrive at the scene, and Steve reckons that something is fishy is going on. He is like, This is a case for AC 12. They got there really fast. Like, they arrive at the scene just as the forensics are there. They're like, Someone's bent
0: a little too fast one might say <laughs>
3: well perhaps oh my god Asterix for like three three <laughs> seasons I don't know um, okay so Danny and the others have their clothing and their guns taken uh, by forensics to test where the gun residue is all that shit they are offered post-traumatic counselling and, and they're told to go on 48 hours <laughs> forensics leave.
0: all that shit <laughs> the
3: DNA you know yourself my love um, Harry, Rod and Jackie are really pissed off that they had to basically they were forced to lie for Danny so, yeah, the situation between the team is not good at all. Um, in the glass box in AC12, Danny Waldron is questioned by Ted, Steve and Dot. It's a very long and juicy interrogation scene. So I'm just going to try and go through this as fast as possible. I
0: forgot that we call these the glass box spectaculars.
3: Oh, yeah. Forgot all about that. Um, so first of all, Danny really knows his shit. He actually has an answer for everything. He has all his bases covered and he is extremely defensive. Extremely. It's almost like he's memorized every single law from police school textbook because he keeps quoting things. He's like L. Woods and Neagley Blonde like he knows everything okay
0: bend and snap
3: so AC12 question him about why he made the hard stop they're like uh, what happened with the confrontation that led you to shoot and kill the suspect Danny says the suspect fired at him and when he realised that he was cornered um, which led the team to fire and shoot him in the head Danny starts to get caught out here when Steve says their statements all say that they entered Prince's court together but an eyewitness says that Danny actually arrived 30 seconds before the others so there are witnesses, and, but, but Danny's just like, oh, they're mistaken. Yeah. Um, so Ted also points out that it's really dodgy that all the team's statements are completely consistent in every single detail. It's also pointed out that over the years, Danny's team have always asked for transfer requests because they didn't want to work with him. And Danny's like, listen, my standards are really high, um, so I tell them to put in transfer requests when it's not working out. AC12 say there are three independent ear witnesses that heard two rounds of gunshots, and Danny's just like, they must have been deceived he has yeah, an answer just, for it all
0: it's, I suppose it's just the witness's word against his
3: yes uh, Steve then asks why there was no gunshot residue on the suspect's hand if he had fired his gun at them instead it was actually found on dun 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 Danny Waldron um, but he says he secured the suspect's firearm so the residue must have transferred onto him Steve says that um, residue from the suspect's gun was also found on the ground five metres away and Danny says that he was in motion when he turned the firearm towards the team uh, but Steve is like listen was the gun ever lying in that position on the the ground like what's going on there like his
0: story just isn't believable
3: no and in a term when in terms of like forensics it it doesn't yeah. check out and um, they also asked danny why the suspect was shot three times in the head and only by him and ted reckons that the suspect was shot in cold blood and as, as his wee mate stood by and watched so there we go. Um, Danny also, I would say, displays some serious nerd-worthy memory skills. He describes every minute detail of the office floor yes. plan um, of the room um, as he walked AC through AC12 to demonstrate how sharp he is. He's like, there's two rows of desks, there's four women on this side, there's four, like, three men. Yeah, it's and he's crazy. like, 60
0: metres to my left. Yeah, he's everything down to a T. It
3: was mad. <laughs> it was mad, wasn't it? Um... And sorry Also they ask Danny About why there's no Next of kin In his personnel file Which is actually A bit of a low blow Because they're kind of Shaming him for being single But like it's a tactic Anyway Danny Rude. lists off A load of laws And acts pointing That everything he did Was actually above board And he didn't act unlawfully But Ted is like Mate this investigation Is far from over
0: Were they at the With the next of kin thing Were they not getting At him being in a home
3: yeah, I thought that yeah. too, but I also thought it was like you don't have any relationships okay. with anyone because yeah, they yeah, yeah. lead into it from being, they ask, are you sensitive? And gotcha. uh, yeah, so yeah. they kind of lead into all of that. So he doesn't have any, they had no one to ring if yeah. he got into trouble or anything like that. Um. Okay, so... D- Danny is a bit of a nerd he storms off he literally leaves the lawyer to trail after him which I couldn't stop laughing at he literally left the room and stormed off and the lawyer's like picking up all her notes running after him I was like oh my god he's so rude he is really rude um, okay so later on Steve finds his car door wide open in a car park I still am really confused about this. I was like, what the
0: fuck? He was airing it out after the last incident. <laughs>
3: Probably. But I couldn't understand what was going on. Suddenly his new missus pops up and uh, Steve is like, I'm really sorry I missed our dinner. Um, and she seems a bit pissed off but all is well when Steve grabs flowers from the boot and he wishes her a happy anniversary.
0: I like the way that that was written in. It's to give us a sense that they've been together for a considerable amount of time.
3: And that Steve's not riding rings around himself yeah. anymore like with, with witnesses and undercover operations well. and whatnot. Because
1: well. guys, <laughs> There's a year, like a year has passed between yeah. season two and season three. Yes. And I was shocked when Lindsay just sort of dropped something about how long she'd been in prison. And yeah. I was
3: like, what? Okay. So like
1: they're going out and living together and have been in a relationship for a year, basically.
3: They're fully living together. Like that's very serious relationship. Yeah. Now, guys, I have to say, we don't find out. Um, do Maybe we do. I've, I've missed this. But in the first two episodes I was recapping, like Sam, it isn't mentioned that Sam works for the force. It isn't. It, it it isn't mentioned in this season.
0: Oh, was it not? No, okay. like it, it's
3: not. Like it's not pointed to that she works oh, as a police God. officer. I don't think. Maybe later on in a few episodes it does. Yeah. Oh no, it is. It
0: is in. in I think no, in the episodes is. that I've I've done three and four.
3: Okay. Yeah, but I thought it was really interesting. Um,
0: she's part of uh, what, the murder squad, isn't she? Yes. Yeah.
3: But we know that now, if you get me. But at this, but when they first introduce her and everything, they don't at the start they, of the season. Yeah, yeah, they don't. Um, like they don't go into that too much about how they met or yeah. or that she works with them or or whatnot. Um, okay. So, later on that night, we see Danny Waldron running very fast through the city. He's sprinting for an Olympic gold medal. He pushes himself too far and he voms on a bridge. It happens to me after I go to the gym every time, honestly. You
0: have a little vom.
3: L- little vom after pushing yourself too hard after uh, exercising uh, for the first time in about like, a year.
1: He's not on a run, though. That's the way you'd run if you were being chased by a lunatic. Like It's, yeah. it's all madness with Danny Waldron, He isn't is it?
3: Sonia O'Sullivan-like.
1: He is. Is all extremely intent. Going first. Okay. Did she.
0: No, that wasn't her.
1: No, that was. <laughs> no. And I know what you're going to say, but that wasn't her. <laughs> oh, I don't know who what you're was, say.
0: that was. Uh, no, it was a, a British runner, wasn't it?
3: Leave it with me for a minute.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. I know the name.
3: What? I don't know what's going on. No one guys, of them
0: shot in the street.
3: Oh, no. Sonia O'Sullivan <laughs> is a national treasure here in Ireland. She's one of our most successful female athletes ever. But guys, apparently, when you do do a marathon, like I think it's really common that that does happen,
0: and your nipples bleed.
3: Yeah. Anyway, that's for a podcast about <laughs> Sorry. medical <Carry> conditions. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. The next day, uh, Paula Radcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Paula Radcliffe.
3: Guys, you always bring it back to shit. You're worse than shit.
0: <laughs> the poor woman. She's an absolute athlete, Olympian, I think, and she's brought down to. Her bodily movements I oh, apologise Oh
3: no no But you know what it, it is a really common thing That my friend did a marathon In Amsterdam <laughs> And she told me One day she was like Chatting to me about it And I was like How's the training going And everything And she just mentioned Something about how Like you, you can shit yourself When you push yourself Too hard Because you're running For so long Anyway
1: Guys Paula Radcliffe Is an MBE And she's won The London Marathon And the New York Marathon Three times
0: each Well done. So she knows
3: What she's doing
0: Well done to Paula Radcliffe Okay Oh
3: Right, so it's the next day after Danny's run. Um, Rod and Jackie follow him into a stairwell and they're fuming. They're like, what happened when your AC12 interview? So guys, Danny went to AC12, memorised the whole floor plan, came back into work and just said nothing to his colleagues and he's basically blackmailed into lying for him. Isn't that mad?
0: Oh, he's just the worst.
3: Okay, so they're like, we all stuck to the story, but Rod says his problem is what actually happened with Danny and the suspect. Danny tells him... "Um, not to try playing the big man he goes don't try play the big man because we both know you're not up to it and he goes she definitely does and points to Jackie so we know that there's something going on in that situation uh, Ted invites Kate and Stephen to his office and Kate asks about whether there's an undercover assignment Dot tries to steer away from that idea but Kate is firearms trained and she says she can handle it and my god thank god she's firearms trained because she really is fantastic Kate
0: loves going undercover
3: she does Um, next up all the AFOs are in the pub having a few drinks including Kate who has swapped Fleming for Francis for her secret mission Rod, Jackie and Harry are shocked when Danny arrives for the monthly piss up something that he usually steers clear of Uh, when Harry tries to skip off early saying that he wants to go home to his wife and his baby Danny follows him and asks why he's getting the feeling that Harry isn't 100% on board Harry says that he is but Danny says that he had to make hard choices because Harry is full of jelly if they hadn't have stuck to the same story AC12 would would have been arresting all of them and Danny tells him to bear in mind that when he has his nice family to provide for um, so basically he's threatening Harry and his family uh, Danny goes back to the pub and he starts chatting up a brunette called Rachel after they have a drink he walks her home and kisses her goodnight and they exchange numbers
0: I actually thought that that whole scenario was really sad for him that obviously we learn later that um, he was abused when he was younger and he obviously finds it really hard to like make relationships like you were saying it, it was really sad to watch.
3: Now, I also think that he did that really because... Sad. I No, but guys, I think that he did that after they said the next of kin thing to him. The, I think that he was doing it on purpose in a weird way. I could be wrong, but I feel okay. like he was trying to cover his bases of having a girlfriend, maybe. Maybe he was affected by what they said to him. Like, I do yeah. think do he you genuinely think that, liked like, her. think that triggered him a little bit? and he
1: felt lonely and then he was yeah like but it had an impact I think it
3: could have triggered him but I also think that he Danny didn't plan on dying in this do you know so I think (laughs) that he was planning on sticking along sticking here for a while and maybe he was gonna be in a relationship to throw them off the scent in a way Good points, yeah. Point. yeah. Um, so then, Kate and Harry are practicing shooting targets the next day, and she tries to worm her way in, asking about whether Danny is giving him a hard time. Um, she presses why they all stood by him after he killed a suspect, and whether it really happened the way they all say that it did Harry tells her not to ask because she has no idea what Danny is capable of Um, Kate then rings Steve and she's like listen Harry is the weak link so target him so Steve and Doc call to Harry's house to question him and try and crack him they mention the patch of gunshot residue was nowhere near where the suspect was found and they ask what Danny really did Harry says that he can't do this and there's no way he's going to testify against Danny Waldron after as Steve leaves Danny watches him getting into his car from afar I thought that was terrifying
4: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: terrifying Back at base uh, Steve, Ted and Dot are speaking about the case when suddenly bam! Chicken! wow wow (laughs) Yes! we meet a very busy and important Jill Bigelow um, which is sporting she's sporting what I would describe as a WBD which is a wavy blow dry it's not the full curly creation Yes Yes. it it
0: gets bigger in later series
3: and a flushed Ted stands up as she enters the room Um, Jill says that the police federation aren't happy with Danny's treatment and they want his firearms permit reinstated unless there's more proof of uh, crime or misconduct. Bigelow says she's listened to the tape and Danny's story deals plausibly with their inquiry and the team has backed him up. So she's basically like, listen, listen, I'm trying to protect you guys because I'm brought in to make sure that anti-corruption inquiries don't get pulled apart in court. So that's her job. She's in legal. Yeah. We thought she was a bloody press officer in the last series. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, she's, she's legal. She's legal counsel. And she's a PR maven, I have oh to say. Oh my God, Yeah. Um, so Ted is like listen we have to protect protect the public Um, and sometimes that means protecting them from their own officers but Jill says legally this case is weak and uh, Danny and his team should be back working normally and then she struts out of the room
0: I love the way that it's Polly Walker that actress isn't it I love uh, the way she delivers every line is just amazing
3: she's so sultry like oh she is and I just love she really does use the sexuality to try and uh, (laughs) pin men into different uh, Situations, doesn't she? Yeah. Oh, she oh. knows exactly what she's doing, my love. She's brilliant. Um, okay, so Danny's back as an AFO and he and Kate and the rest are sent out to search the premises for Class A drugs. This is a new mission they're sent out on. They dramatically enter uh, a house. Kate checks the landing as Danny enters a bedroom to find a box of drugs and a gun Uh, Danny says it's clear but he actually grabs the gun and he puts it in his vest and just when they think that the place is secure there's movement in the blink of an eye Kate is about to open fire when Danny blocks it because a young child has appeared so Danny literally saves that kid because he actually... Danny Waldron is a complicated character. He is very good at his job as yeah. an AFO. Um, so later on, he pulls Kate aside and he's like, you're not right for this team. And Kate says she feels really bad for what nearly happened. But Danny says... Kate was sure. Oh, she was so shocked that
1: happened, it was really bad. Like, she nearly shot a child.
3: Like, uh, split second. Um, so Kate's like, I feel really bad for what nearly happened. But Danny's like, you're not up to the job. So I've put in for a transfer request so I don't have to turn nasty. Lit. like sorry Um, later on at South Ferry Kate lurks as Jackie and Rod have some sort of argument Jackie is heard saying ignore him ignore him
0: Kate does a lot of lurking in this episode
3: yeah and elsewhere Dot is also lurking because Steve gets a file on the suspect shot by Waldron and the whole thing is redacted so Steve isn't happy and Dot is like oh I'll sort it but Dot does be
0: known Dot very very keen to help this season very keen to help
3: Later on, Danny is doing another midnight marathon when he finds Steve waiting outside his building. He asks him if he knew the suspect, Ronan Murphy. And Arnott's like, yeah, loads of large sections of the file were redacted. So if there's something bigger going on, I don't want, you you're not going to want to be the one left carrying the can. Danny asks Steve if he runs. I don't have to. No one is chasing me, Steve replies. Danny says he runs tens of miles till it hurts, but he keeps going through the pain because it's going to hurt a whole lot more to get started again. When this is all done, Steve, I'll suffer for my actions. I'm under no illusions of a happy ending, but I ain't going to stop. Steve tells him that the easiest way of getting away with killing someone is to be a police officer at home Harry's doorbell rings he opens it but no one's there just an envelope with a phone in it um, I thought honestly that someone was going to put you know when people put dog shit in a bag <laughs> and they light it someone what? used to do the, oh my god guys someone used to do it in my estate growing up you lit the, someone used to shit into a bag or get dog stop shit stop it and light it and then someone would open the door and try and put the fire out and then they'd step in dog shit isn't that terrible?
0: Uh, they would light the bag on fire? yes
3: so someone would ring your doorbell, there'd be a, fi- a bag on fire yeah. and then you'd stamp, stamp on, it on it and you'd stamp virus. on shit. Oh my God. Are you <laughs> fucking I've never heard it like that in my life. No,
0: <laughs> where did you live?
3: I, I mean, I mean, I thought you came
0: up in a posh area. I, it
3: wasn't a posh area, but that, yeah, someone used to do that to, to people in my estate. It was terrible. The youths.
0: Yeah, that's horrendous.
3: I know. So I, anyway, I thought that I was like, I immediately thought that was what was happening there. But no, it was actually a phone inside a bag. <laughs> <laughs> um, OK, so he opens it. No one's there. It's an envelope with a phone in it. And he gets a message that says it's time. The next day, Danny's waiting outside his house with a gun. And then he sees him and his wife and the and their kids. So he, he holds off. Yeah. Um, Harry sees him before he runs away which is weird and terrifying. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand that bit of this. No. Danny's outside his, Harry's house constantly. Was he
0: going to kill Harry? Probably or?
3: because he wasn't going to comply with yeah. with his but like, lie. But that
0: looks even more suspicious. It weakens his case.
3: <laughs> it, it does. Um, at the station, Harry's Gov says that she's disbanding Danny's squad because of the drama between them all. And Harry says that Danny isn't the easiest skipper, but he's good at his job, so I want to stay. Um, and he says that it's going to look really messed up if... It will look like they did it even though they didn't.
0: What do we think of MacAndrew? She seems dodgy, doesn't she?
3: She, I feel like MacAndrew has the potential to come back into this. Yeah. I was about to say, she seems so
1: dodgy. They've made a number of points that are very memorable about her. I think. Yeah. Just the way she holds
3: herself. I'd be very surprised if she wasn't part of a corrupt network of police officers. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Danny watches the attendees of Ronan Murphy's funeral from afar in a graveyard and he spots one man with long grey hair through his binoculars. Right. So we're like, okay, Danny's really going, like he is obsessed with this fella yeah. who is Ronan Murphy. That evening, said man is in his house feeding his dog and uh, making a microwave meal, which is probably Tesco mac and cheese. When, it tur- when he turns around and he finds... A moon suit wearing, Danny Waldron holding a gun at him and the microwave meal hits the floor. Don't remember me, no, nor did the man that you buried. Danny pulls over a chair and tells him to sit down. Everything you don't do, uh, uh, what's the word, sorry. Every time you don't do, what I say, it's going to get worse. But first, you'll take off all your clothes. Danny then ties the man to the chair And we start to understand now what's going on. He says, I never knew his name. We did have a name for him though. So many years I wondered what I'd do if I ever saw him again. And then I did in a photo in a briefing room. And I was being sent to meet him with a gun. Before you ask, this one is illegal, untraceable. No problem with, I have no problem with using it on you. Yeah. So who was he to you? So now we know why Danny took the gun from the scene previously.
0: He was abused by the guy who happened to appear in the briefing. Yeah.
3: Yes. Okay. So uh, the man with the grey hair says nephew. Um, And so now we know that he is, Ronan Murphy is this man's nephew. And Danny says, we had a name for you too. And he goes, do you want to know what it was? And Danny starts crying and then he kicks him off the chair. He falls to the floor and... He goes, the only thing with Ronan was it was over too fast, but I've got you to make up for that. Mm -hmm. So he's going to torture him. And we then see Danny scrubbing every inch of his skin in the shower. He holds up a blood splattered list of names on a sheet of paper and puts it into a brown envelope before addressing it to DS Steve Arnett. He pets the pooch and because he's brought the dog from your man's house home with them, which really made me really sad. Yeah. I just was like, oh my God, like he's, he, honestly, what he did is obviously horrendous, but then he has some sort of hit part of he's him that still heart. cares.
1: That's the thing. And I think that's what, when he dated that woman really briefly that night showed us as well, is that he's actually softy. And even though he's doing these
3: horrendous things, his drive is coming because he was abused as a child. Yeah. Yeah. And um, We then see him get a text from Rachel from the pub and she sent a selfie of her with a glass of wine and she says, same again soon. Danny deletes the two messages and sobs before his work phone rings. I thought that was so sad. Like, no, and especially now, he can't go back from what he just did.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think he just, I, my interpretation of that was he just felt like he wasn't capable of, of dating her.
3: Yeah, but I think he'd gone to a step too far now. He'd just come back from your man's house covered in blood. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, fair point. Um, (laughs) point.
3: Yeah, I think he was like, we're moving
1: with the list a lot quicker than I thought and I need to have no distractions and I can't bring
3: someone down with me, basically. Uh, Suddenly, Danny and his team and Kate are back... um, in their gear, they're providing an armed response at a house. The officers smash the door in, they enter, they arrest a man and a woman. Danny says he needs to check upstairs um, and Kate is reporting on the radio and she's kind of going through everything that they're doing. Harry Rod and Jackie actually head upstairs first and uh, Harry shouts and says, oh you're needed up here, Gov. Um, So Danny rushes up the stairs after them and suddenly we hear a gunshot. Kate runs upstairs to find Danny seriously wounded. He's bleeding out after being shot in the neck Um, Kate is like what happened here because the other officers are just standing there staring at Danny and they don't respond she desperately tries to save him and she says stay with me stay with me and the credits roll amazing guys Danny Waldron was in one episode of Line of Duty
0: oh my god yeah I didn't even think that that's insane that was an amazing recap episode one
3: In episode two, paramedics desperately try to save Danny. He also tries to whisper something to Kate. We then uh, see the Gov asking Harry what happened in the room, and Harry says, "I'm still in shock. I need some time to get my head around it." Arnett arrives at the scene just as Danny is pronounced dead in the ambulance, and it is honestly just I can't get over it. Danny Waldron was in one episode.
0: Uh, yeah, but it's only now the and even after rewatching it, like only the other day. I feel like he was in line of duty for seasons.
3: What a performance I from Daniel Mays. I couldn't agree
1: more. He has had such an impact as a character, hasn't he?
3: Yeah so much. Okay, so at the station, Kate asks Harry, Rod and Jackie what happened and they say that there was a struggle that they were all involved in. Kate says that she heard absolutely no struggle and asks why when she went upstairs, none of them were giving Danny first aid or helping him. They said they were in shock, okay? Rod asks Kate what Danny whispered to her and she says, she doesn't really say, she just kind of points out that Harry radioed for Danny to come upstairs Um, and Harry's like, oh, did I radio? I'll have to listen back. But Kate explains that they were back to back on two. So there's no recording it's like what happened with Denton yeah Um. so Kate says she needs to know what she's covering for because she's just like I've uh, you know I'm in this now what am I covering Kate for Kate doing a
0: message she's like you can confide in me
3: I love that yeah she's like here's a cup of tea confide in me <laughs> Um. Dot, Ted and Steve interview Harry, Rod and Jackie separately about Danny's death the three of them say that Danny actually shot himself putting the gun uh, to his own head and when they tried to help him and take the gun off him, the firearm discharged. Dodd asks Harry about the firearms residue detected on his hands and the others and Ted asks whether they weren't actually trying to get the gun off Danny but instead they were actually trying to force the gun to go underneath his chin. Jackie reveals that Harry grabs the gun first and shouted, Danny no, asking for Rod and Jackie to help. Um, Harry's asked if Danny had coerced all of them into making a false statement when he shot dead the suspect in Operation Damson and Steve asks why in a previous interview Harry said, I can't do this no way am i testifying against danny waldron dot reckons that danny scared the three of them into covering for him and that they all decided to club in together and harry put an end to it they all deny that and they say that he killed himself and that they tried to save him kate's also questioned and she says danny tried to say something to her but she couldn't make it out at the end of the interview harry rod and jackie are all arrested on suspicion of danny's murder Afterwards, bam! chicka wow wow, Jill slips into Ted's office and says, of
0: course she does. She's
3: like, why didn't you run this by by me? She's basically fuming that they've arrested the three coppers. And she says their legal reps are now questioning why they like if they were sent back to work too early after Operation Damson. Um, And Ted says that they were only back to work because Jill was pushing for the whole thing. She vetoed the whole thing for them to be back in the office. Yeah. Um, Jill reckons that Danny's mental state was a major risk factor and she says it will be hugely embarrassing if they aren't charged within 36 hours. She asks Ted to rescind the the arrests and put them on desk duty. So she's basically trying to, um, you know, She's trying to just get this all moving and she doesn't want any issues with their legal yeah. reps and whatnot. Um, so, after Ted tells Steve and Dot that he doesn't care what the lawyers say, that they are going to investigate this mob. And Steve says that he's going to look into more uh, into Danny's background because he had his demons so armed police enter Danny's home and they find a dog Steve gets Monique to track the owner um, from the number on the collar
0: I love Monique
3: and that's the first time we this meet is, yeah, she
0: just didn't she say she got like transferred or something yeah she yeah. kind of just,
3: yeah she's like oh I'm looking into stuff but like Monique really does help out a lot of things yes, in this um, big time. so Dot and forensics trawl through Danny's belongings Dot discovers a box containing a brown envelope addressed to DS Steve Arnett and um, there's also a gun so he gets one of the moon suits to get firearms to declare its safe. So once he's basically like, oh, can you go out and just get the forensics or get the firearms up here? So he's alone in the room um, and he opens the envelope to find the blood splattered list of names. Tommy Hunters is crossed out, but we do see a Patrick Fairbank on the list and uh, Doss quickly pockets it.
0: Yeah. So he takes takes the list out of the envelope and then leaves the empty envelope leaves back. Leaves the, the envelope the back,
3: takes the list, puts it into his little... I would call it a shirt pocket, Top maybe? Pocket. Top pocket. Um, in the office, Dot shows Steve a picture of the envelope and he's like, there was nothing inside it. Dot also says that he'll work on the Harry, Rod and Jackie situation if Steve looks into Danny. And Dot's like, listen, I'll liaise with Kate because she's undercover. Steve isn't really pleased about all that because he's like, me and Kate have a partnership. But Dot says that it's on his side of the investigation so he doesn't really give Steve a choice in it.
0: I feel sorry for Steve. In oh yeah, these episodes.
3: Dot's really pushy as well. Yeah, you know, and um, that night, Dot meets Kate in a graffiti laneway slash tunnel. He hands her a lovely coffee to warm her cockles, and uh, Kate yes. says it's early days, but she doesn't have um, much to report on really. He presses her again about Waldron's uh, what Waldron said to her before he died, and she says that he started to say listen, but that he couldn't get anything else out. So we finally find out that that is what he said: listen. This is what they think at the moment. Yeah. Uh, she asks why Dot doesn't just. She's basically just like, oh, why? Like, why are you wondering what he said? And Dot's like, oh, I'm just curious. Um, anyway, they end their meetup and Dot is just trying to be overly nice about everything. Um, he starts to walk away once she's gone and he just fucks the coffee on the ground he literally gets the coffee that he had bought for him and Kate and fucks it on the ground I'm absolutely I was screaming it's one of my favourite scenes does favorite that happen scenes. again
0: later in another series
3: no we just cry laughing about Do, it because it has something us of it um, it honestly is my favourite dot moment ever he's so bent he can't enjoy hot chocolate <laughs> like it's just like what he just is so bitter he's like oh fuck afterwards uh, but he's trying to be way too overly nice to yeah, Kate
0: yeah he's very keen
3: very keen um, at home Steve is snuggled up with Sam on the couch when he gets a call from who says a fella called Linus Murphy owned the dog in Danny Waldron's flat. Uh, Steve heads to the address with backup and discovers the naked and tortured body of Linus Murphy and also he's missing his head. Yes. Back at base, Manit says a receipt for a storage facility was found in Danny's flat, which could be a lead. She also says she's been through his phone records in the lead up to his death. And there was only one text message, one from a woman called Rachel, who sent a selfie of her drinking wine. She also says she's trying to trace a photo of Danny at school. That was in that box. With the gun and the brown envelope. Kate meets meets Jackie uh, when she's out for a run and tells her that AC-12 won't back off. Um, She's like, once they find out about Harry's radio call for Danny to come upstairs, you're going to be screwed. Kate says that someone was entrapping Danny, but Jackie is really angry about it and she tells Kate that she doesn't know anything. Steve later finds out that Linus Murphy's head is in a unit in the storage facility. That was dreadful.
0: Like the poor people (laughs) who work in that place. You just don't know what you're storing away.
3: So he later goes through the post-mortem results with why Doss. Why was
1: the head there, guys? What was the point of that?
3: Well, I'll tell you now in a second, because I was okay, so thanks. confused. I was like, why was he decapitated post-mortem? And Danny literally put his head into a bag, a plastic yeah. bag, and put it in his rucksack.
0: Like, and brought yeah, it to a storage I facility. I can't
3: remember why. It was so strange. Um, so it's like the Scissor Sisters. In is. Dublin. Yeah. They walked his Broly. head...
0: They carried his head in a carrier bag on a bus through the Square Shopping Centre in Tala.
3: Oh, Jesus Christ. Shocking. It is shocking. Um, okay, so Steve later goes through the post-mortem results with Dot and Ted, and they revealed that Linus Murphy suffered wounds to the chest, abdomen, genitals and anus, and he died of hemorrhaging due to a pelvic, fe- pelvic fracture, but no prints or fibres were found on implements or the body at the premises, so they can't pin the murder on Danny Waldron.
0: Like that is a gruesome death. Yeah, gruesome. Like torturous.
3: Steve also says that they have found out that Ronan Murphy, who was the suspect that Danny shot in Operation Damson, is Danny is in Danny's school photo, so they knew each other. There's also a man in the picture that does resemble Linus Murphy, um well, his severed head. So Danny knew him too. So we Can they... I
1: just stop on the school photo for one second?
0: Yeah.
1: I will be damned if the tall blonde child at the front is not dot
0: oh yes yeah 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 but Hannah I
3: okay. I think there's something in that but we just they never it never went into it I think it's there as like a possibility of something to come back to maybe yeah, I think I,
1: this season is the most important season of the first five, to yeah. be honest, yeah. in terms of recall characters that are coming back. I think the list is still relevant. I think the photograph is still relevant.
0: I thought, no, I, maybe I read it into it too much. I thought it was pretty much confirmed in this season that the Dot was there because he talks about them putting him into the, the police force. I don't, I don't I don't I don't
3: know. I don't think they ever confirm it, but yeah. I think that never they, we, we never find out how Ryan. dot got in. I always assume dot got in the way Ryan did. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you just kind of yeah, mm. it, 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 it's not clear, but I think it definitely could be something that could be revisited. Yeah. Like most definitely, yeah. especially because there is a number of names on that list. Yes. That we've never met. Yeah. So Yes,
1: and I have a new theory about
3: who might be in that photograph that Jed posted from the set of the
4: okay. six so anyway,
1: in a little
3: while Ooh, okay excellent okay so um, yeah so now the AC12 know that uh, Ronan Linus and Danny were all in that photo together they all knew each other Steve also says he thinks Danny left the brown envelope blank because he met his death early and he intended to put something in there Steve goes to chat to the girl from the pub Rachel um, and asked her a couple of questions about how they knew each other and she's like I never heard back from him after meeting him I was really disappointed uh, because he seemed lonely and I thought that he wanted to make a connection. Afterwards, Steve leaves Sam a voicemail saying he's lucky to have her. Okay. Steve then meets Jill outside a courtroom where a motion to have Arnott exempted from testifying in a case is being heard. A lawyer for AC12 uh, or the police force argues that disclosures of covert tactics of his undercover operation in court will undermine the current and future police operations. But the judge says that some of Steve's evidence was the subject of the defendant's successful appeal to be retried for her original convictions and refuses to grant the application. In the next scene, the door of a prison cell is opened and we see the return of... Lindsay Denton Steve is gonna have to face her in court during her retrial so we realise now that Steve's in a bit of a pickle when it comes to Lindsay's case because she's gotten a retrial yeah because of his evidence
0: 585 days she's in prison
3: Mother of God. Okay. The Gov at Waldron Station walks up to Jackie who's making a cup of tea and asks her how she is. Jackie says it's been a rough couple of weeks and the Gov gets her mug and spits into it. Rotten. But Hannah, I think that's there though in terms of like, I actually think MacAndrew could come back into it. Yeah There's just quite a lot of scenes with her Okay back in the court Steve is on stage being asked about his investigation into the defendant former detective inspector Lindsay Denton Steve reveals he met her when he was investigating an attempt on the life of a protective witness John Thomas Hunter A police convoy was ambushed causing the death of three police officers and AC-12 were assigned to investigate the possibility of police complicity in the conspiracy to assassinate Hunter Um, and Steve is basically like our inquiries focused on the officer that led the convoy as she was the sole survivor uh, Steve is asked if there was any ever, like, if there was ever significant evidence discovered in Lindsay's home, and he replies that a hidden sum of cash was found and items belonging to Denton's late mother, including a nightcase. Steve is then pushed to reveal that it was him who carried the nightcase upstairs into Lin- Lindsay's home during his undercover operation, which was authorised by his commanding officer Hastings. Um, but Steve does reveal that that undercover operation was actually authorised retro.
0: Retrospectively That's it
3: Yes um. So Steve Sorry Ted didn't know Steve was undercover Obviously when He was doing all that Yeah He found out afterwards Okay So that's why that. The whole thing's A bit problematic About the evidence Because they're like Well you spent loads of time With Lindsay You could have carried Like you brought it Into yeah. the house um, okay, Steve then quizzed about whether he spent a night in Lindsay Denton's house he reveals that he was there until two, till 3am or 4am one night um, and they're like oh well you must have recorded that in your pocketbook and he's like no no I never did because I was worried that she'd look at it Steve then must answer exactly what he was doing with the defendant until 3 or 4am and he says they were talking um, because he was trying to win her trust he's also asked if they ever had a sexual relationship um, which wouldn't be acceptable during an undercover operation and Steve says undercover guidelines No. he's also pressed about whether uh, that was why he didn't seek authorization for the undercover operation Steve then has to reveal that he was alone with Denton in her home about a dozen times Steve's then asked about who found the cash in Denton's house and he says it was a forensic search team led by him Ted and Jill look really worried and Sam looks horrified while Denton is literally like shouting Yas in her head
0: but like this as well this, uh, this would have happened during season two when Steve couldn't keep it in his trousers yep yeah.
3: Yeah. So it's really like all of this. The reason why Lindsay gets out is because of like Steve fucking up this undercover operation. Okay, so afterwards, Steve and Sam share a very awkward car journey home and she's like, is it true? Were you with her? And Steve says he didn't have sex with her but Sam does not seem convinced. Meanwhile, Ted tells Jill that he can guarantee her 110% that none of his people would plant evidence. They know I would throw the book at them followed by the bookshelf, he says. Uh, Jill tries to cheer him up by handing him the unredacted file on Ronan Murphy. Um, So Jill hands Ted the file the unredacted yeah. file Very important
0: Very important <laughs> Very important
3: um, Jill then asks Ted out to dinner And he hesitates Now he was thinking About it for a second yeah, I have was, to say yeah. um, But he's like No I better go home To the wife um, And then we see Ted Home alone in the Poor apartment Roshin. I know He's alone in his apartment Making himself a cup of tea I thought that was really sad
0: Yeah Yeah.
3: Next, an undercover Kate tries to chat to Rod, telling him that Harry and Jackie are leading him up the garden path. She says she can see that there's something going on between him and Jackie. And she says the first person to come clean to AC12 will always get off the lightest. Kate says if it isn't going to be him, why not her? So Rod asks Kate again what Danny said before he died. She says she couldn't make it out, but she knows what's going on. And he's going to get a long stint inside for covering for Harry and Jackie. And that prison is such a lovely place for a copper. What
0: I'm just laughing at the prison is a lovely place for a copper.
3: But he did that. That line is is very important yeah. in a way. This leads Rod to really unravel. He tells Harry it's getting out of hand and that they need to talk. Steve brings the forensics on Linus Murphy's head to Ted so this is why we find out that the head was severed Steve says that semen cells in his mouth match Waldron's DNA Ted says now he, they know why he wanted to chop off the head okay, okay um, I missed that Yeah. so Ted also says that he never had Waldron pegged as a homosexual but Steve's like I don't think that's the case
4: yeah
3: Um. Ted hands Steve over the unredacted Ronan Murphy file and he tells Steve that nothing major found out but Steve might see something in it at his desk Steve is absolutely fuming he's so stressed and he tells Dot that the file on Ronan Murphy is a dead end and Dot literally turns around and smiles as he sips his coffee. He's absolutely thrilled. Yeah. Um, that night, Harry pulls up to an abandoned warehouse to meet Rod. Rod says that he hasn't been sleeping. Harry says he feels the same but he's trying to hide it from his wife. Um, he's like, listen, I'm just trying to play a cool. AC-12 will drop the investigation and we'll go back to work. Rod says that he's been talking to a legal advisor and he really needs his job and his pension. He says Kate knows what happened because Danny said something to her. Rod says he's in the frame because if Kate knows about him, and Jackie and Danny he's got to come clean because the longer he leaves it the worse it looks Harry says mate I have another kid on the way but Rod shouts that it wasn't his idea to lie through their teeth Harry says that they had to lie because the truth makes them look guilty when they aren't it was us or him Harry says but Rod replies if it it wasn't us it was you and he pushes Harry to the floor he tears up and he repeats what Kate said in a few scenes earlier a stint inside is a great place for a copper so that is Kate's words do push him to confront Harry here and and do all that Denton meanwhile is in her cell and all the four walls are covered in files maps, notes, everything she has been spending her 580 how many days in jail trying to crack all these cases and manipulate everything. She is honestly worthy of an Oscar for she's her performance. She's missing the cork board. Yeah, she actually is. Um, In the course, the defence calls Denton. She takes to the stand and she puts on the performance of a lifetime. She tells the jury that she had nothing to do with Tommy Hunter's murder. Um, she's asked about the £50,000 found at her house. Denton says that um she was there when it was found and that Steve had... He had basically remarked about how much she had shown a peculiar interest in her mum's belongings being returned to her. Denton says that she was devastated by her mum's death, and she really does put on a sob show.
0: Yeah, she. I love when she's in her sound. She's like, "I had no prior knowledge. I had no. Pri- I had no. I had no prior knowledge. Like just rehearsing it all out.
3: Iconic. Uh, she gets really emotional, she says that she kept her mum's stuff in the room and didn't ever touch it because she just wanted to leave it there and feel like her mum was still there. She goes on to say that she had never seen the banknotes before, and she was. Dead devastated and confused. But Arnest didn't bat an eyelid when he showed her the banknotes. Denton's asked about the relationship with Arnest and she reveals that they were really close. She's questioned whether, while undercover and investigating her, if Steve engaged in sexual relations with her. Denton says yes. And she says she was very vulnerable after her mum's death and it happened once. She thought that because he's a police officer and sexual relations are forbidden, that he couldn't have been undercover. Or investigating her. Yeah. Um, so Denton also reveals that she wasn't sleeping well at the time, so she'd doze off on the couch for a few hours sometimes uh, when Steve was there, so he could have had access to her belongings. Ted is fuming. fuming. Back at the office, he calls uh, Steve in, and he's like, did you have sex with Denton while you were undercover? Steve says he didn't, um, but she's just saying it to calm the jury. Ted says that the claims that the money was found... like Basically, Ted's like, Denton says that he didn't bat an eyelid, and Steve's like, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. So Steve basically did that whole thing just to see her face to see if she was guilty he made the forensics simulate the whole thing
0: okay
3: so he ordered them to simulate the finding in front of her to see her reaction Ted yeah. is like Steve you were showboating why would you do that and Steve's like yeah I was and Ted's like well they're using this to discredit all of our work and our team were bossing the game and you gave away a penalty and he just tells Steve to get the hell out Steve is not in the good He's books not. with Ted Hastings and um, Ted then gets a call and he and Dot arrive at the warehouse to find Rod dead and hanging from the roof early indications are that it is a suicide Rod's team are told about the death Jackie's devastated Steve and Kate meet in a graffiti lane and Steve is like are you okay because I read the Rod Kennedy report and the last thing you know you told her kind of you told him that he was going to be screwed and everything and then he's gone and killed himself and Kate's just like mate I'm just doing my job things are quite hostile between yeah. Kate and Steve and um, that night Jackie calls to Harry's house and says they need to talk the next day Harry, Kate and Jackie arrive at AC12 to come clean in her interview Jackie says she and Rod had an affair and they had to keep the relationship hidden or else they'd be disciplined Jackie says they broke up a couple of months ago because she and Danny actually got together one night so when Rod found out she and Danny had a bust up and Danny was in the habit of making remarks and undermining Rod she says that Rod got really jealous and just couldn't handle it at all meanwhile Harry's asked about Danny and him drawing his firearm and he says he does know, but he can imagine that Danny was spooked by something and that that's when Rod went for him. So now, Jackie and Harry are pinning Danny Aldrin's death on Rod. Yeah. So they've decided that's what they're saying.
0: Blame the dead guy.
3: Exactly. Um, they say that Rod grabbed his gun and they all wrestled and then Danny tried to get it off both of them and then the gun went off so they're blaming Rod for killing Danny after Ted Steve and Dot chat um, about it and they're like it's the oldest trick in the book to blame a dead bloke but Dot says that Rod killed himself so it doesn't fit with him it, so it does fit with him being the guilty party so Dot's like Rod suicide Push pushing, pushing that, that narrative. narrative yes um, Ted says he'll say it before and he said it again catching criminals is hard enough but catching coppers God give me strength so we haven't. I, I do. One of I
0: love this season. It's when the Tedism so starts.
3: So towards the end of the episode, a baby bent bastard on a bike leaves another phone outside Harry's gaff. Uh, he rings the doorbell and he runs off. The phone rings and he is told to bin the previous phone. Harry says, "I made one mistake, man. One mistake, and you keep making me pay." The voice asks if AC12 went for it, and Harry says, "Yes."
0: Is that Ryan that left the phone? Or just another don't know hoodlum.
3: They never told us. It's just another bent. I say there's a few bent bastards.
0: Yeah.
3: Um. So the man in the phone box then says, "Oh, don't be modest. I heard you played them like violins." Meanwhile, Denton's in her cell, practicing her performance for another day in court. She does a few renditions of uh, the sentences I had no prior oh, knowledge. Yes. Um. Every day, I wish it had been someone else who'd taken that call. She tears up. Then hears a noise and just completely breaks character and starts <laughs> again. It's honestly iconic. I was like, it is. She is a mad bitch, isn't she? Yeah, I love it. Um, and then the episode closes with a very emotional dot setting fire to Danny Waldron's list. Guys, sorry, that was a lot to get through.
0: So much in it, isn't there? So Are much. You? So,
3: like, guys, it's so much in it. But that the first two episodes, there's about, there's three deaths, guys, in the first yeah. two episodes. I,
0: I didn't realise until you said it there that Danny Waldron dies In the first episode. Crazy. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Episode three of season three. It opens with Jackie and Harry discussing the deaths of Rob and Danny. Uh, Kate is watching on with the the binoculars are out in the car. Um, Harry says that Rob killed Danny. Jackie says that she can't cope with everyone in work talking about them. Uh, Back at the station, Harry gets a text to say sit tight and act normal as Steve walks into the office to speak with McAndrew. Um, Having learned nothing from Lindsay Denton's mistakes, uh, Harry drives to a phone box to try and make a call to an unregistered mobile uh, that happens to be out of order. Uh, Kate is there watching with the binoculars again. Um, At home in his garage, looking pretty shifty, Harry gets a call uh, from whoever it is that has been texting him orders on the burner phone. Uh, They call him a dickhead uh, for going to use the payphone and remind him to sit tight and act normal. Uh, Kate and Dot meet in that underpass with the graffiti when Kate asks for a second look, why do they meet in the underpass? It's just looks so dodgy
3: isn't it and like there's coffee all over the floor go
0: meet in a cafe Nero do you know (laughs) what I mean it would look less suspicious Um Kate asks for a second post-mortem to be carried out on Rob Kennedy's body. Dot says it's clear to him that Rob killed Danny and then um, hanged himself because he couldn't handle the guilt. And he goes, uh, leave that second post-mortem uh, request with me. Like, I'll, I'll look after that. I'll sort it out. Again, ever so helpful, Dot. Always. Uh, Dot then brings Kate back to his for a chilli. He says he always makes a pot. One night you can have it with rice. One night you can have it with nachos.
3: And a baked potato sometimes.
0: And a baked potato. Very good, Dot. Yeah, just make a a, a one pot wonder. <laughs> uh, Dot says he and his missus never uh, got on, um, and when so they're like just sitting on the sofa like having a chat, and when he asked Kate. Uh, when Kate, sorry, when Kate asks him if his missus was a cop as well he just goes no forensics like real throwaway um, there's and something says,
3: with that is there yeah
0: and says that he's like I don't see that much of her now so there is mm. some sort of contact there
3: interesting I
0: don't know if they're together and they don't get on or they're split up oh I'm not no sure. they're
3: completely split up because in season Guys. one Dot, Dot, Dot broke up with the wife because he got into loads of gambling problems and that's yeah. how he kind of got brought in with well, the bentness as well
0: yeah Go, yeah, They're
3: divorced, but Dot has got a
1: like an ex-wife that's a friend's a copy. Yeah, that is yeah. Very, interesting. very juicy. It is. isn't and again, it? I'll be damned if that doesn't come back into yeah. it somehow. Uh,
0: so Dot also tells Kate here that he blew most of his mortgage on the races, um, took out a loan then to try and win it all back, but that went tits up as well. So mm-hmm. Dot is in debt. Uh, back at AC12, uh tells uh, Steve that Danny Waldron stayed at a boys' home as a kid, um files from the day were either destroyed in a fire or lost in an office move Manit has managed to track down a guy though who was at the home the same time as Danny was so Steve goes to visit this guy his name is Joe he goes to visit him in work Um, Steve shows Joe that photograph from uh, with with, um the the boys and with Linus Murphy and Rona Murphy in it. Uh, Joe uh, tells Steve that Linus and Rona Murphy used to bring visitors into the home who would abuse the boys. Uh, Sometimes the boys were taken off-site where abuse would also happen. And he spoke about these VIP parties that he said were the worst. Horrific. Um, Joe tells Steve about this big fat whale of a fella who used to ask for him. Uh, Always wore a suit, sweat patches, stank, made him vomit when... um, he asked to Ew, see him. so um, gross. Oh, just awful. Joe asks Steve uh, if Danny is the one who's got people listening to them at last. Steve lies here and he says yes. Um, Kate is back out with the binoculars watching Harry's home and Dot sits nervously outside of bookies. That gambling hasn't gone away. Um, Kate's uh, fake boss, McAndrew, calls her across the floor uh, and says AT- A- AC12 want to interview you straight away. Um, This puts the absolute shits up Jackie and Harry, who have a chat about what Danny whispered to Kate when he was dying. They try to reassure themselves that Kate can't possibly know how Danny died. Uh, Manit tracks down that fat whale of a fella. Dale Roach is his name. Uh, He was uh, the leader of the city council when Danny and Joe were at Sandsview. Joe confirms the uh, the man in the picture um, is Dale Roach. It, the, the man in the picture of Dale Roach is the same fat fuck who abused him years ago uh, Joe tells Steve that he reported the abuse to teachers social workers and police and in 20 years nobody listened to them and their complaints were never investigated
3: it's so heartbreaking but also social workers are really coming into it they're you know remember Ryan's social worker yeah yeah, Jane Hargreaves it, it it drips down not just police it's in other areas as yeah. well
0: people just in positions of power yeah uh, Steve admits that Danny is dead and probably promises Joe it is now his mission to get the bastards that did this. Steve visits Dale Roach in a care home and my god oh jeez you can smell him. Uh no family, no visitors is what the staff member says on the way in. She's just like nobody comes to to see him, which I think is really telling of how, you know, what a nice person he was. Um he can't talk. He's had a massive stroke. Steve is visibly f- like I don't think I've seen him angrier. He is so angry at what yeah. this man did. Yeah, like he is shaking with the rage, and I think probably just feels kind of defeated because he's like well fuck him anyway like he's like basically a vegetable
3: and he can't he He can't can't defend himself himself yeah he can't they can't arrest him
0: no so like Steve is like shouting questions at him and your man does nothing except like the heavy breathing and wheezing and um, Steve just turns around and he goes he's like I know what you did to those boys and he's so angry um Back at AC12, Steve tells Ted that he thinks Danny Waldron left a trail of abusers for them to connect before he died. Ted says, there's only one thing we're interested here, son, and one thing only, and that's bent coppers.
3: Yes, line of juicy.
0: Jackie calls over unannounced to Kate's flat. Kate records their chat on her phone. She slips her phone in her pocket. Uh, Kate tells Jackie that AC12 have Harry making calls to a burner phone. Jackie says that it's not her that he's been calling. Harry and his missus are watching TV when his doorbell rings It's Jackie She demands to know who he's been making calls to Uh, Next we see Lindsay Denton being led from her prison cell to a court appearance Ted and Jill watching on from the benches Um, I love the casting in this in these courtroom scenes, the judge I love and the prosecution lawyer as well. Oh, they're all amazing. The, I don't know the actor's names, but they just suit the roles. And like, the jury so well. as well are very yeah, good too. Yeah, it's like cast really, really well. Uh, Lindsay Denton says her and Steve uh, were discreet and that's why a trained police officer at the door didn't hear them having sex. Uh, so, uh, she says that Steve placed the 50 grand in her mother's suitcase, but if forced to admit she never saw Steve with the cash But claims he hid it When she was in the shower So she's like I, Well I know I didn't see him Hide the cash But he was By himself And could have easily done it mm-hmm. And then Ted just leans over And whispers to Jill And he's like The nerve of that one <laughs> Um Lindsay denies that she lied about having prior knowledge uh, uh, about Tommy uh, Hunter she's then accused of lying about the ambush lying about having sex with Steve and lying about Steve planting the cash an artful devious person who has betrayed the trust placed in you as a police officer she snaps with the amazing prosecutor and growls like no I haven't like she kind of breaks there Ted and Jill go for a coffee he says he owes her an apology over the dinner invite from the other night Uh, she says you're a married man Ted and uh, she said We're here as two colleagues Jackie arrives at AC12 With her solicitor For a voluntary interview uh, She says she wants To go on the record That she hasn't Been having covert chats Wants to change Her statement though About the death of Danny See she says She now never saw How the struggle For the gun That killed Danny began
3: She has changed That statement seven times
0: Yeah I mean, If you were in the room How did you not see Um, she says that Danny bullied them into covering for him uh, in the shooting dead of Ronan Murphy uh, and says she now believes that Harry started the struggle for the gun when Danny died Uh, Ted says she'll be served with a red notice and may be charged with a string of offences she's really upset here and she she honestly thought that coming in voluntarily uh, and kind of confessing meant that she'd like get a warning or something but he's like no like get out um Mineet hands Steve the results of that second post-mortem on Rod Kennedy. Uh, Now, remember, Dot obviously told Kate that he'd arranged that. When Steve takes the results into Ted's office, Dot bursts in behind him to ask if he could sit in on it. Uh, Dot says the differences aren't really big. He's just dismissing the whole thing. Steve says fibres found in Rod's nose and mouth suggest he was suffocated and then hanged after death.
3: That was shocking.
0: Yeah, um... They've got CCTV images with the car registered to Harry. Ted says, go and get Harry in here. Like, I want to talk to him. Dot says he did send an email to the pathologist for a second post-mortem, but uh, he only noticed this morning that he got a bounce back. So Steve followed up to make sure that that second post-mortem was done because uh, Dot said he would do it but he never did
3: Dot is playing the game isn't he?
0: Yeah Steve asks Mineet, uh to get him immediate uh, to get the immediate whereabouts of Harry so Harry's uh, own team McAndrew's team uh, are heading towards his house armed and she says to them, she's like setting aside the fact that he's one of our own he could be armed and dangerous like you know be prepared um, she gets Kate kicked off the yop because she says she's too close to it and then uh, phones Dot sorry Kate phones Dot then to ask him to get her put back on and he's like oh no Kate it's too dangerous like you just stay in the office there pet yeah uh, Steve calls Kate to tell her that she was right about the post-mortem Rod was murdered we then see Harry get another call from that mystery voice telling him he's been framed for the murder of Rod Kennedy the camera cuts to the caller and it is revealed that it is Dot who has been making those calls his, to Harry his
3: accent gets really way stronger when he's on yeah. the phone as uh, when he's fully um, yeah. who he is yeah, really
0: yeah uh, McCandrew and her team arrive at Harry's house his wife says he's in the garage but sure, when they roll up the shutter all that's there is a phone on the ground and Harry is gone like the clappers he's miles away in his car Um, he's at that warehouse where Rod Kennedy's body was found hanging Steve tells Dot not to move in Dot is also there Uh, he said he could be dangerous Dot says I'm going to stay well out of it but like he just happens to be at the same location that Harry is at which is where Rod Kennedy was found dead Uh, Harry walks into the warehouse and uh, Dot is already inside it and says, I don't trust you as far as I could throw you. Dot tells Harry that he's back at the scene because they've just had the second post-mortem. He says that Harry looks like he's returned to the scene of the crime. Dot gets really angry here and asks Harry to think, is Danny mentioned, uh, if Danny mentioned any other names before he died? He's like, think about it. He's like, any other names that he mentioned? Uh, Linus and Ronan Murphy Lindsay Denton Politicians like anyone Give me names Dot is in a real panic For information here Dot asks who Harry Is here to meet He's like what are you doing here Um and then Harry's like, "Well, I don't know. Like, I've been getting these calls from this person, but I, I don't know who it is." Now
3: I have to say one thing: Did Harry not, when he started asking him all this shit, twig that yeah. perhaps the man who's been giving him would you not tell by the voice? I know the accent he was is putting a bit an stronger. Accent on, yeah, yeah. I just am a bit like, ah, no, love, come on! I was waiting yeah. for you.
0: But you're anyway, and like Harry is thick here, and Dot is thrilled. He like turns his back, and he has another one of those smirks He's again.
4: Smirking yeah, he
0: was delighted with himself that Harry is thick as shit. Um, <laughs> So then uh, Harry takes out that burner phone and he calls the number that he just got the call on a while ago. And you're expecting Dot's phone to ring in his pocket and you just get that boop, 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 uh, So Dot smirks yet again. And he's like, there is no bloke. You killed Danny and you killed Rod. And then we hear sirens in the distance. Dot smacks himself across the face with his handcuffs and cuffs himself.
3: Obsessed that he did this. He's like, I am going for it.
0: Yeah, he's just smacking himself around the place. So Steve and uh, all the team arrive and they arrest Harry for the murder of Rod. Uh, When McAndrew asks, Kate, what the hell are you doing here? Kate replies, DC Fleming, ma'am, AC12. Like, delighted with herself. And she didn't
3: get her cover blown this time. No, she didn't. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Kate and Steve inspect the warehouse and there hanging from the rafters is a fresh noose ready and waiting for somebody's neck. Uh, outside of the ambulance Dot is nursing his self-inflicted wounds and is telling Ted that Harry was going to string me up like Rod. Uh, shouldn't have gone in without backup. Oh, you know, I'm such an eejit. Like, oh, but he's like, I like, I'm so brave. Day? Yeah. yeah. Um, Ted says, no one is going to question your judgment. You did a grand job, son. Uh, McAndrew tells Harry that he's lucky that AC-12 got to him first. Mad fire a gun. Uh, <laughs> Kate asks Dot if he's okay and he says he'll live and smirks away to himself again uh, Kate says a heap of burner phones were found at Harry's home but they can't trace the numbers um, he was taking calls from whoever was calling ordered Danny's murder and with that Dot strides back into the AC12 office to a round of applause Back at court, Lindsay Denton is found not guilty of conspiracy to murder, but guilty of perverting the course of justice and is sentenced to 38 months. But she's served, I think, half or the bulk of that time. So actually she's free to go. Ted tells Dot that he's putting him in for a commendation. Outside the court, Lindsay Denton tells Steve, 585 days. And on every single one, I thought about what I'd do when this moment came. And she just turns around. There's like a, a, she takes a, a beat of a pause and then just goes, I forgive you. As Dot watches the course press conference on the news at home, all these mobile phones just start ringing. Obsessed. Like on, sitting on different tables and different worktops.
3: That was never part of the plan. No, never. all the burner
0: phones start ringing and the credits roll on episode three.
3: Oh my God, the juice. Stunning, Brendan. Well done.
0: Episode four, it opens up with Lindsay Denton walking into AC12 for a meeting with Jill and Ted. Jill, uh, guys, <laughs> I... Love this Jill explains that As part of a new initiative Christened Truth and Reconciliation Parties are invited To engage in dialogue To promote healing Lindsay says She won't start Until Kate and Steve Are also brought into the room And Ted just goes God give me strength And he just goes out And he's like Steve, Kate Get in here
3: I forgot about that.
0: I love this so much because Lindsay's just completely in control and they're all like, fuck you. Uh, Jill reads." It's so good. Jill reads an apology to Lindsay Denton in respect of the charge of conspiracy to murder. When Ted attempts an apology, Lindsay says, you haven't actually said, sorry, and Steve might do better. Steve doesn't do any better. And then Kate whispers under her breath, she's just like, Jesus Christ, like they are all fuming that they have to apologise to her. Lindsay turns around, she just goes, well, Jesus, this isn't going very well, is it? <laughs> and then Lindsay points out that uh, Kate's failed undercover op in season two. Kate goes, "Didn't do, did, I didn't do too badly. You did end up in prison. So she's like, you know, you you blew your own cover. Like uh, Steve says uh, the jury must have thought I'd shagged you into conspiring to murder a <laughs> protected witness. And then Ted goes out and Ted is like, Stephen. <laughs> It is amazing Actually this is probably My favourite scene Lindsay then produces A phone And says she has She's like I've got a recording on this That will be of interest To all of you And she's like Would you like me to play it And Steve is like No And then Kate sighs And she's like Jesus Christ Steve And then she just leaves the room Because she's like You fucking shagged her
3: Yeah
0: Um and then, so good, Lindsay goes, well, I feel this meeting has been remarkably successful and I'll be happy to have it in writing that it's been a healing process. Ted loses the head. He is roaring at Steve he's now. He's so
3: disappointed in him.
0: Yeah, Steve says he's entitled to have a private life. He says, I don't quiz you on yours. And then Ted is like, what do you mean by that? I'm a married man.
3: I haven't seen the wife in months.
0: No. Uh, Steve says he didn't have sex with Lindsay and he didn't plant evidence. Jill tries to get Ted to fire Steve. She's like, oh, out the door with him. <laughs> like she's just, she's on a mission. She's like, get rid of him. I don't want to be. Vendetta. Yeah. Um, Ted admits uh, he can be an irritating wee gobshite but he's not firing him. Lindsay arrives. Uh, her the most. Oh, yeah, Lindsay arrives at the most rundown-looking B and B I have ever seen in my life, And she's carrying her life's wares in two bin bags.
3: It's re- it's very sad. It's really grim. Yeah, and like the the goings on in that place are dodgy. Oh like.
0: my God! Uh, Dot watches on from a bus shelter. Harry arrives at AC12 to be questioned. Harry says Dot smashed himself across the face to frame him for Rod's <laughs> murder. Harry admits that he did kill Danny Walton though.
3: Yeah, 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 because he was ordered by dot to do it it's time text. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh he says the man on the phone who prefers who ordered his death never gave a name but he says Harry says whoever it was on the phone Dot sounded like he was from South London as Harry gets arrested for a string of murders Dot and Kate watch on for monitors and Dot declares we got the bastard Dot's like case closed solved done
3: yeah, yeah apart from tendon
0: yeah at home Steve says to Sam that uh, he's been looking back at unsolved murder squad files which is her unit um says that uh, she's like well I can't help you Uh, she's raging that he possibly that's when we
3: find out then Yeah, she's in murder squad yeah Yeah.
0: Um, she's raging here that he possibly shagged Lindsay Denton uh, but that's not why she can't help him she says she never heard of a murder investigation into Ronan Murphy there is no file um Next we see Joe which is the guy um, who was also in the home yeah Yeah. Um, he's drunk at the Old Sands View which has been turned into apartments now Um, he's smashing windows and he gets taken in for questioning but he's told no one's going to press charges Uh, Kate reassures him that they are looking into the abuse complaints properly now and Joe says they did complain to a posh twat social worker about the abuse from Ronan Murphy but nothing was done that posh twat is Oliver Stevens Lloyd, mm. a social worker working on behalf of the council at the time. Um, Stephens Lloyd, Stevens Lloyd uh, says that when he tried to raise the abuse, he was framed for cannabis possession. Stevens Lloyd gave a list of names of abusers to an officer, but there was no sign of the list and no record of which officer he gave the list to. So Oliver Stevens Lloyd worked for the council and obviously that, that the council leader was one of the abusers yeah the fat bastard who's in bed breathing uh, Kate tell Steve the Dale wrote be- Dale wrote do they you. say
3: about what happened to Stephen Lloyd as well
0: what, what do you mean?
3: He was found murdered Oh On the port On the boat yes. Yeah I think
0: that's coming up I think Which it's we
3: up. see later as well Yeah Well, uh, well Kate, it was
0: originally
1: a yes. suicide yes. yes Yes It was
0: originally down as a suicide yeah. Kate tells Steve that before Danny died The word she thinks he tried to gurgle Through the blood spewing out of his neck Was not you thought, Listen earlier is what they thought it was It was, it was List, list. Um, <coughs> but I Steve. love
3: that she only reveals that then do you know what I yeah. mean I think maybe she he, he, we never see what he actually says but like yeah it would make sense that she originally would have thought it was listen
0: yeah um, Steve gets Manit to test the empty envelope which was found in Danny Waldron's flat I love when she turns around here he's like was that tested and she's like no they're on a tight budget this financial year <laughs> and then <laughs> like a flash Dot is over asking Manit like what's going on there what's Steve looking for um He's
3: not discreet. He's like, Here, can you just keep those results? Yeah. And to me. I'm so like, oh, shady unraveling. Yeah,
0: yes. Yeah. Kate and Steve meet Sam and her murder squad colleague down at the, the what do we call it? A harbour?
3: Yeah. A harbor? What we call it what we call we it, we call guys.
0: Dock harbour.
3: Dock dock.
0: Doc, yeah. Yeah. Um Oliver Stevens Lloyd uh, was it was thought that um he was hit by a boat. In, did they say yeah sorry suspected suicide, suicide. yes uh, suspected suicide at the time but now murder squad have agreed to reopen the case um, exhume the body Steve wants the case but Sam says no this is ours this is murder squad's uh, so Lynn-
1: that thing with the boat was his body had obviously all these bruises that didn't line up with a death yes,
0: was, yes. Yes, yes
3: but they were
1: like oh no he committed suicide then he got hit by a boat and now Steve's like are you fucking
3: serious yeah because it <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: hides all the
3: evidence of like a struggle or whatever
0: yeah uh, exactly yeah, Lindsay visits what looks like a dole office and sits at the hatch of a woman called Tammy. Now, Tammy couldn't fucking care less, right? She couldn't be any less interested in Tammy's trying to help. Tammy's heard
3: it all before. Oh,
0: she was like, just oh, I can't. She doesn't want to help reintegrate her into society at all. But she, does, she tells her you can't rejoin the police because of, like, what's happened.
3: It's so sad because Lindsay Denton's probably the best detective of what we've ever seen.
0: Yeah, right. So Tammy goes, Lindsay Love... I don't know you. I've got nothing against you. But I can't help you if you're going to be in denial. And then she gets her job down as does. Yeah. 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 Mopping the floors. Uh, back at AC12, Dot <laughs> is back over at Manet's desk asking more questions about that fucking empty envelope. Um... She says traces of ink and blood were found on it. The blood matches Linus Murphy's, a blood-stained note written shortly before or during Danny Waldron's torture of Linus Murphy. Dot says, keep this between us, will you? And don't send the results to Steve. I mean, could you be any more obvious? Oh,
3: he, but he's literally like, oh, fuck, because it was so easy just to take the note. But you can't lie about the forensics. It's so, now, we, now we know for sure that... Yeah. ...that that there was something in, in the envelope
0: yeah Lindsay Denson is having a cry in her B&B when there's a knock at the door this guy Robin from the offender management team uh, a creepy oh, ginger Jesus Scottish Christ. bastard with a lanyard um, he tells her that she's going to need money for rent and living expenses and says he can help her now and then he's she's kind of looking at me he just goes 10 quid as in suggesting like sexual favours for money he's wild and she just shows him the door and he leaves Ted and wild. Jill Ted and Jill go for a dinner her hair's a bit flat. It's not. It's not the big bouncy. Oh no, hun, that's a GHD curl. She yeah. doesn't have
3: the budget for the blow dry yet. Weekly blow dry. You'd need about three blow dries a week to maintain that curl and that bounce. Yeah.
0: Um, so again, she's up
1: the walls with the stress at the minute. She now. Is. She's trying to get Steve kicked out. It's not working. She's like you know a dog I mean? with a bone. She hasn't had a minute
0: No So she brings him out for dinner And goes again Like at dinner Pushing for Steve To move to apartment And Ted is like He's my most dogged investigator Um, Jill orders the chicken liver patty And the sea bass Ted goes for the soup And the sirloin No sauce Saving the sauce for later. <laughs> T- bow, trigger, bow. <laughs> Ted goes back to Jill's and they share a very brief kiss in the hallway before Ted declares, "I'm a married man." Guys, and
3: I forgot you about this kiss. Yeah, I sorry. completely forgot about the kiss. I was like, "Oh my god!" Screaming at the TV when I saw it. I would have like to seen a bit more.
0: <laughs> I mean, how could you? Te- how could you not tempt yourself with Jill, given it all? Uh, back at Steve's, Sam tells him that Rona Murphy was a person of interest in the inquiry into the murder of Tommy Hunter.
3: I was shocked on to that. Yeah. Missed that
0: the first time. Absolutely. Uh, Major violent crime interviewed him about the conspiracy that Lindsay Denton was convicted of. No record of it. Files must have been doctored. Steve visits Lindsay Denton mopping floors in Asda and says the audio recording on her phone of them is as embarrassing for her as it is for him. He tells her that Ronan Murphy was killed by a police officer and that Ronan Murphy was a prime suspect in the murder of Tommy Hunter but it's been hidden from AC-12. Best guess is Danny Waldron was breaking up a paedophile ring. Steve tells Ted, Kate and Dot that Tommy Hunter was a groomer about to turn informer that's why he was killed. Connected to Danny Waldron says um, he says it looks into the caddy. He's going to look into the caddy. The ever helpful Dot says the caddy's mine so I'll check that out. Kate gets in a huff with Steve for not telling him where he got this information. He's like, oh, I can't disclose that information. When Ted is like, how do you know this? He's like, I can't tell you because Sam has obviously passed it on. And her and Dot head off um, out to speak to the lying bastard who told us the caddy was dead. (laughs) Kate and Dot (laughs) arrive at Morton's office to follow up on a statement that he made in 2013 about the murder of Tommy Hunter. Morton is in a really nice office. office. Yeah, very nice office. And Dot says, "Landed on your feet, you might say."
3: (laughs) (laughs) Now that I know that that disability is faked,
0: I just it's so funny.
3: Oh my god, honestly, but like the way he describes his job is really funny. I can't remember what he says, but he's like, I can't remember what the line is. I need to go back and get it. like he's literally sitting there with a cushy number.
0: So cushy. Uh, It's something
3: to do with the press, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, I no, thought yeah, so. yeah, and that's
1: how he ends up passing loads of information so he's got money left right and centre from people oh
0: the Marbella house must be gorgeous <laughs> Morton for a return in season 6 it's it's just got to happen yeah. uh, Kate says that Morton uh, said that DC Cole was the caddy but clearly that's not true Dot doesn't say anything but he doesn't take his eyes off Morton he's just staring at him Dot and Morton then meet for I think prawn crackers and some beers I think it's prawn crackers yeah maybe an Indian. Indian yeah <laughs>
3: I, it was I Mindy don't know. Indian, Hannah, you and me are like Indian.
0: Is it a papadom? Like maybe it was a Papa Dom. Yeah, it was some sort of snack like along those lines. Dot
3: likes a bit of spice though. He does make the chili. Maybe he, yeah, yeah maybe. Um,
0: an Dot, Asian snack. Mm, <laughs> Dot tells Morton to. <laughs> uh, Dot tells Morton to say that he heard the caddy rumor from a cop who's now either dead or lost his marbles. He's like, you just need to pass this off. Also tells him to turn over all the stuff that he's got on Dot. Morton says your phone is the only insurance i've got dot then says i wasn't more than a kid when all this started certain people pushed me into the force to do their dirty work from the inside and i think here dot really seems like he wants to like erase his past and like finish his career clean
3: oh no he wants out like he's done he's been absolutely he's just absolutely done and so close to the what like it's getting too close to home now You know about the caddy and all
0: yeah morton arrives at AC12 for an interview with Dot and Kate Steve isn't happy that he's been left out of the loop uh, Morton amends his previous statement and says he never heard Cole use the name the caddy says that Terry uh, Catastrone Catastrone um, was the one who told him about the caddy um, he's and he just goes I am extremely remorseful and he just says it in the most like insincere tone like three times Um so this this guy Terry, who he says said, told him about the caddy, turns out he has Alzheimer's. So he deliberately picked somebody mm-hmm. who he knows can't. Um, Dot tells Kate to leave it. Uh, Morton's just a couple of months off retirement. His wife isn't great. Kate uh, couldn't give a shit, and Doc kind of loses it here. She's like, "I couldn't give a shit how his wife is." Like,
3: Date, Doc's like, "Oh, here, Lee. go let him off. Like, the wife's not well." Yeah,
0: the wife's not in a great place. And Kate's like, "I don't give a shit," and then Doc kind of loses it here with Kate. Uh, Kate raises her eyebrows at this point. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know if Kate's This is where Kate might start to get suspicious. Um, she says, "Now we know the caddy is active again. We have to get the bastards." Back at Lindsay's grim b things get even grimmer that Scottish prick arrives back um, no tenor this time this time he threatens her into giving him a blowjob uh, she says I'll do it for 20 so he does take cash out she gets down on her knees and fair play to Lindsay Denton she gives him the biggest punch to the balls and says don't you try making up lies it's all on video she's got her phone in the corner of the B&B in the corner of the room and she's been recording the whole thing the so,
3: way she looks at the camera at the end after she kicks yeah, the shit out of him oh yeah, my god yeah like, so she
0: gives him a few more kicks he's on the ground and he, he crawls out of the bedroom with his trousers still around his ankles dirty bastard uh, back at AC12 Minnie is on the sick so when Steve asks for the results of tests on the empty envelope Dot throws him off the scent shows uh, Steve rules relating to the death of Oliver Stevens Lloyd rules? Oh, that word shouldn't be there should it? Results?
3: Results, probably. I'd say it was yeah. a bit of a... Did it just autocorrect for your pet? Probably, I'd yeah. say it's
0: autocorrect. Um, it's odd that Chief Superintendent Fairbank was involved in the case. He shouldn't have been. He was photographed years ago with Dale Roach, mm. that smelly abuser who's now in a home. Kate and Steve bring this information to Ted, who hesitates and then tells them to see what Fairbank, who is retired, has to say for himself. Kate and Steve visit Fairbank at his house. He doesn't remember anything. He's fucking useless. They show him photos of him and Dale Roach. He says their paths crossed, but they were never close. Um, complaints of abuse at Sands—you don't ring a bell. Oliver Stevens-Lloyd's list of abuser names don't ring a bell either. And then, ding dong, it's like Noel's house party. The fucking doorbell rings. <laughs> oh. Who's at the door? Ted. <laughs> Steve Apparently watches them the
3: wife's sponge cake's good oh, really? I was laughing my head off he's like will you have some of the sponge cake I was like what <laughs> the hell sorry like,
1: guys Fairbanks is in a mansion Yeah it's, like
0: gorgeous it's house, a gorgeous house isn't it It's a very Jackie Laverty house
3: It's divine Also though mutton chops not a good look
0: No no
3: Disgraceful <laughs> Not
0: um, a good look. So Ted arrives at the door as Steve and Kate are trying to chat to Fairbank, and then Steve just kind of steps over to the door of the sitting room and he sees Ted and Fairbank shaking hands at the door Mm. Fairbank says uh, I hope you didn't mind me calling you Ted so Fairbank phoned Ted back at AC12 Steve tells Kate that the the handsome he saw the the handsome the handshake autocorrect (laughs) the handshake he saw was Masonic he also says the doctored file was given to them by Ted he's like he did a Mason handshake and also Ted gave us the file so Steve is now getting suspicious of Ted mm-hmm. in a briefing for inspectors and above only Dot is hosting a wonderful PowerPoint presentation he's very good at it um, Lovely about the graphic, caddy Don't give graphics. Hannah a run for
3: her money yeah, yeah. Hannah you're great at the old PowerPoint presentation Oh guys Hannah for is no brilliant at the PowerPoint
0: um, so Dot's giving this PowerPoint presentation about the caddy Uh, nobody's ever been identified as being the caddy, but he's described as having a South London accent. He's really pushing this. Uh, Ted now looks at Steve through like the slatted blinds. Dot tells Ted the only caddy could have, only the caddy could have got his money uh, on, his money on Lindsay Denton's bribe money at source. So only, Dot says to Ted, only the caddy could have got his hands on Lindsay Denton's money at source. In an underground car park, Dot loads a gun and hides it in his pocket and meets Nigel Morton. Morton hands over a phone and a SIM card in an evidence bag. And I feel like Dot might have been about to shoot Nigel Morton here. But instead of shooting him, Dot hugs Morton and says, that's it. Morton hobbles away. Dot sets fire to the SIM card. Back in Morton's car, we see an identical phone and SIM in another evidence bag on his passenger seat and the credits roll on episode four.
3: Well done, Brendan. Guys, Nigel Morton's a clever cookie, I'm telling you.
0: He is.
1: But how did Dot think he could trust him?
3: I think because probably Dot doesn't have any clue. Like, if you think about it, Dot has never been able to form proper relationships with people because he's always been uh, bent. And maybe Morton's the only one who ever actually, he thinks, stood by him. Even though, I think think Dot's had a very sad life and he just kind of trusted Morton, but Morton knows better. Morton always looks after number one.
4: Yeah. No
1: points. Okay, let's get into season three, episode five. G.I. Matthew Cotton receives an award for outstanding bravery at a fancy due for his apprehension of a dangerous suspect. Steve, who attends with Ted Steve, who attends with Ted and Kate is less than impressed. Jill tells Dot he should consider going for a promotion before he and Kate head home together. Dot takes the opportunity in his apartment with Kate to spin more rumors about Steve. He tells Kate that Steve is hiding something and asks her to have his back. Steve signs out out an official firearm before being the only attendant at the funeral of Danny Waldron. Back in the office, Steve makes sure Dot spots he's carrying a firearm. Ted watches on suspiciously. Steve approaches Dot in the kitchen to ask if he's got a problem. He's annoyed he was left out of the briefing limited to inspectors and above. Dot tells Steve he shouldn't have a gun. This isn't the Bronx. (laughs) <laughs> Steve asks Monique for the additional forensics he ordered on the envelope He sa- she says she doesn't want to get caught between him and Cotton and Steve learns that Dot knew the forensics hadn't been done Monique discreetly opens the files on her computer and leaves her desk so Steve can have a look Monique's an absolute oh,
0: like she's so good
1: throughout this she, queen. she's so really
0: can't. central to how things pan out
1: She's so important and I just never realised it the first time around. But now watching back and not paying attention to the more serious actions and being able to look at the smaller things that are happening on screen. Yeah. She's just so important. So Steve learns that blood belonging to Linus Murphy was detected on the envelope, but there was no stains. He also finds that there there was ink as well. He returns and signs out his gun under the suspicious eye of a dodgy uniformed officer who's standing right behind him in the queue. Steve and Kate watch Danny with a rucksack they presume to contain Linus Murphy's head on CCTV at a storage facility. Danny leaves in a different direction to which he arrived and the pair map out his route. Steve then tells Kate that ink and Murphy's blood were found on the envelope in Danny's flat and he suspects a note is missing and Danny may have hidden it on his route from the storage facility right after killing Murphy. Dot and Jill chat at AC12 HQ. He takes the opportunity to tell Jill that Steve is armed and that he's told Ted his concerns, but he's not doing anything about it. Jill tells Dot to leave it with her. Mm. Kay finds a complaint made against Fairbanks by a woman called Wendy. The complaint regarded her son, who was a resident at Sandsview Boys' Home. Kate and Steve interview Wendy at her home. She's very troubled by what happened and reveals her son said he was assaulted by a big fat bloke at Sandsview. She went to the police, but they didn't want to know. Wendy threatened to write to the papers, but they laughed in her face. A week later, a uniformed officer visited Wendy to say that the chief inspect, chief superintendent had sorted it all and that the accused was going to prison. However, a short while later, Wendy spotted the man in the paper. He never went to prison. He was out and about. Kate pulls out a paper cutting. Wendy identifies the man as Dale Roach. Back at AC12, Kate and Steve tell Ted that they have a witness who claims Fairbanks suppressed a child rape allegation for Roach. Steve wants to put the allegations to Fairbanks in the presence of a solicitor, but Ted tells him he needs to think about it. Now, this is where suspicions start with Ted for me. Kate leaves and Steve challenges Ted, telling him he saw Ted's masonic handshake with Fairbanks. They argue and Steve is taken off the case. This is not good. No. Later, Jill serves Steve with a Reg 15 and he's suspended from active duty due to allegations made against him. Steve knows it's coming from Dot and he demands he come into the room. Ted mitigates the conversation between the two. Dot claims Steve has been holding a firearm in the office that he slapped with a suspect and fits the description of someone they're looking for in relation to an anti-corruption investigation. Like he could, bites- Doc
0: could have like, got like framed Steve for this. It was, Easily. was so close yep. to it.
1: So close. Steve bites back telling Ted and Jill that Dot hid evidence from Danny's flat by a manise. Jill shuts the conversation down. Ted officially suspends Steve from Judy and says he'll have to come back for a formal interview. A teary Steve claims Ted fed everyone a doctored file on Roland Murphy and that he left out key evidence. That key evidence is ronan murphy being a known criminal associate of tommy hunter ronan murphy being investigated as a prime suspect in hunter's murder and ronan murphy and tommy hunter both being involved in child sexual exploitation not in the file and you say i'm the one who's let you down sir steve is led from the ac12 offices he hands over his keys and badge as Kate and dot watch on dot tells her that he's got a lead that steve planted the money at lindsay's back in season two and that they have to keep an eye on his every move later dad arrives at Kate, Kate's apartment with a bunch of roses he moves in to kiss her but she steps back oh. and asks to take things slow now I'm sorry that went from two to a hundred so
0: awkward I'm only here for the chilli
1: <laughs> literally they she's wanting her dinner handed to her friends, and then he's over with a bunch of roses trying to kiss her no so dot leaves, and here we go. Iconic Kate is in full swing. The next morning, she is straight AC three to request sign off on an undercover operation from Superintendent Madeline Summers. Summers suggests Kate's approach her because she's a woman and therefore cannot be a Mason because there's other AC twelve officers that are closer. There are other AC officers. Yeah, that she are was like AC nine is closer. Yeah you've gone out of your way. Is that because I'm a woman and I cannot be amazing? Kate's face says it all. Lindsay and Steve meet in a cafe. She's enjoying his desperation. He apologizes for taking advantage of her. He then challenges her, planting up evidence, ac- accusation against him, saying it's down to him to disprove it. She has no sympathy, reminding him that she has lost everything. However, she agrees to help him find the real criminal, but she's not backing down on the money put in her house to frame her. She wants justice and doesn't care how unjustly she gets it. She demands to know everything about the case he's working on, reminding him she's the only one that can help. I love that line so much. Yeah, brilliant. Ted asks Jill off the record for her full support in his investigation into Fairbank. She said, oh, absolutely. And he agrees to hand over all his relevant files to the official authorities via Jill. Fairbanks arrives at AC12 for an interview being overly friendly and charming. Ted and Fairbanks share another masonic handshake. Fairbanks calls the whole thing a little misunderstanding. Dot watches the interview from a monitor. He fumbles through the interview. Oh, yeah. So Fairbanks fumbles through the interview accompanied by an, a fake Kate lawyer. Oh, yeah, it is
3: a fake Kate lawyer.
1: A fake Kate lawyer. He denies any knowledge of Oliver Stevens. Lloyd, the social worker, who said who was said to have given Fairbanks a list of abusers at Sam's view, he was seen far fired and wound up dead. Ted tells Fairbank an inquiry into his debt was reopened and Fairbank is getting nervous. Kate shows the room, evidence that Lloyd was in fact murdered and at the time and at the time An officer named Farewell pushed for a suicide report. Ted asks Fairbanks about Wendy, the woman whose son was abused at Sandsview. Kate continues the line of questioning and Fairbanks says, Right, Ted, this was meant to be a friendly conversation and your DC, whatever her name is, has struck a tone I don't like. I don't (laughs) warm to and Kate is forced to apologise. Fairbanks claims he knew Councillor Dale Roach from a great distance. He tries to worm out of questions as to why Fairbanks didn't look into the allegations against Roach. He accidentally calls him by his first name and Ted, Ted, or Kate picks up on it because he's like, oh, Dale. And Kate's yeah. like, he's like, oh, oh pal, I thought Councillor Roach. Yeah. yeah, first name terms. Ted puts to him that he swept the allegations under the carpet to protect his friend. A fake Kate solicitor tells the room that Fairbanks has extremely unreliable memories. Kate displays a number of um, newspaper clippings on the screen. The first is of Fairbanks and Roach from a 1997 charity event. The next is Roach, Fairbanks and Jimmy Savile. Like, now, that had, is a bold
5: yeah, move from is, the Yeah,
1: it is, isn't BBC.
0: it? I had completely forgotten Jesus that they had done that. Yeah, it's... it's
1: that is... A bold move. Ted tells Fairbanks they've identified numerous complaints Fairbanks should have investigated but didn't. He then asks them out straight if he was under pressure to turn a blind eye from political figures or executive officers. Fairbanks continues to play dumb. Dot watches on, visibly upset. He is upset. I know he was in that boy's home. As the interview is voluntary, fake hate solicitor shuts it down. Steve and Lindsay head to the storage container where Danny's head, Danny um, put Linus's, Linus Murphy's head he catches her up about the missing notes Steve thinks it's a list of abusers that Danny tortured out of Murphy the pair attempt to figure out where the list might be hidden Kate and Dot watch on from a hidden car worried that Steve and Denton have teamed up Kate quickly realises the pair are retracing Danny's steps they walk through a graveyard and Lindsay spots an internet cafe immediately realising what Danny did with the note but keeps it to herself
0: like she is an amazing detective
3: guys I just wish she was part of AC12 forever do you know what I mean she's honestly probably the best. She is so intuitive. Yeah. She's
1: so clever. Jill gives out to Ted for interviewing Fairbanks because the pair are part of the same secret organisation. She suggests Roach was part of the same lodge and tells Ted they can't have it appear he was protecting Fairbanks. A convenient suggestion. Jill pushes again for Ted to hand over his files and Ted is disgusted. He reminds her that individuals who have appointed her are potentially involved in child sexual abuse acts of depravity he pulls out the ronan murphy file revealing it was jill who gave it to him jill who retracted the crucial evidence she can't explain how it happened and ted invites her to leave his office in steve's flat Lindsay feeds steve a story that implies danny hid his list in a graveyard the pair are searching burial records when sam comes home disgusted to find them together oh my god um, she is sam... so
3: few it's so awkward isn't it I'm that really scene
1: leaming. yeah they well, a been in the be. kitchen Yeah, they have a big fight in the kitchen and Lindsay uses the opportunity to steal Steve's pocketbook. Sam leaves to get petrol and chocolate, saying that when she comes back, Lindsay better be gone. Dot and Kate watch as Lindsay and Steve leave his apartment. Kate trails Steve in her car while Dot follows Lindsay home. Dot calls Kate to tell her that Lindsay led Steve on a wild goose chase, but also that his lead panned out. Steve really did plant the money at Lindsay's. Kate approaches Steve in the graveyard who's searching for a list near the tomb of someone with the second name, Sam. So basically, Lindsay's been like, oh, look at this grave. That's very, like, Sam's view. It's such a weird
0: graveyard as well. It's
3: honestly so hocus-pocus shit there, yeah.
1: isn't it? I thought there like, be Like, why would you leave a list out in a grave in the middle? Like, i just make like that it scene it get out. wet. And Steve's a dope. Exactly. <laughs> Kate tells Steve that Lindsay's made a tit of him. And oh Lynn's my god,
0: I loved goes. that line. I
3: cried at that. I was like, oh my god, so like love that she said because she says it again yeah. in season five.
1: Yeah, because she's like, You're just being an absolute dope. The next morning, dot follows Lindsay as she leaves her bed. Sit. Meanwhile, Kate interviews Joe at a factory. She asks him to come to a police station to look at some photos for her. Lindsay goes to an internet cafe she spotted the night before. She flashes a fake badge and learns that Danny did use a computer at the cafe. In a police station, an officer shows Joe some photographs. He vomits at the side of Fairbanks and cries. Lindsay uses information in Steve's pocketbook to break into Waldron's email account, where she finds a photograph of the list saved as a draft. She cannot believe her luck. She's
0: so clever. It's like, just so she's good. She's so
3: clever. Saved as a draft as well. It's like there's no proof. Uh, you know what I mean? It's in the cloud. Yeah. It's I, very clever. I was That's a bit it. panicked
0: that she was going to lock herself out if she got the password wrong like any more times. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and so she has to go to the exact computer that Waldron was at and she starts typing in different variations of his name, hoping that his email address pops up because they
3: don't have his email address. Yeah. She also stole, his passwords. she stole Steve's pocketbook and has all the, pa- like loads of the passwords in there. So yeah. she stole exactly. it, which I was like screaming, like he's having a fight with Sam and she's like, I'll just take this pocketbook, thank you. He's been absolute dope.
1: So outside Lindsay spots Steve's car But when she approaches Dot in the driver's seat He arrests her for impersonating an officer She notices the plates are different But unsuspecting Gets in the car And asks Dot to bring her into AC12 No back roads
0: Like and you're, you're just Dot, shitting at watching this aren't you It's so shitting. You're like don't get in the car
1: because Lindsay's had no luck and this is too good to be true Yeah. so when he speeds off to the nearest station to have her arrested she panics and tells him about Waldron's list she explains how she cracked the hiding place and how Danny was clever enough to keep the the email as a draft if it's not sent it can't be traced and now the email exists only as a draft in her account she'll hand it over in return for a full pardon realising that Dot won't take her to the AC12 offices she whips out her phone to call them now it's Dot's time to talk he knows she took the 50k Bribe to help find Carly Kirk. He tells her her old life is gone, so he'll give her 100k this time to forget about everything and move on. He is speeding towards the docklands, tells her to take the money, you mad bitch, and stay out of it. Lindsay pulls the email draft up on her phone, roaring at Dot that she'd never take the money because she's a police officer. He swerves dramatically, pulling to a stop at a loading dock. He pulls a gun on her. She reminds him that they are two feet apart in a confined space a forensic grain zero. She types in Ted's email address on her phone, daring Dot to shoot her. If it sends you to prison, that's my job done. You're just a go-between. You're a weasel. Other people do your dirty work for you. Now you put that gun away. You take me to AC12. Let's see what they think when I bring you in, when I bring in the caddy. She hits send on the list and Dot shoots her point blank in the head. He grabs the phone from her hands in shock but it's too late. The email is sent. Lindsay solved the case. He rubs his prints from the car, removes the fake plate and runs the credit roll as Lindsay bleeds out. Oh
3: my God, it is. Honestly, watching that, my heart was racing. And yeah. even though I knew what had happened, because it's my second time watching it, you still aren't any less shocked by that scene it's it's dreadful it's so sad it's so unfair
0: Yeah, you you also just think that like often TV shows just don't do that you're like she's such a big character like you're like oh no well they won't kill her off because obviously there's so much more you can do with her but no they did like she's dead
1: she's dead okay guys here we go the hour and a half episode that wraps up two seasons I had a little bit of water there gonna be a lot of talking here we go The episode opens in AC12. Ted and Minnie are interviewing Fairbanks. They put to him that Oliver Stevens Lloyd submitted a list of abusers from Sandsview to him. He gets frustrated and tries to leave. But Kate arrives just in time with a video capture of Fairbanks from their previous interview. They have showed it to Joe, the factory worker who identified Fairbanks as a man who sexually abused him at the boys' home. Ted is devastated, saying Fairbanks didn't turn a blind eye. He was in on us. Then he gets Lindsay's email sent to him, which corroborates the names that they heard from Joe, the witness. And Fairbanks' name is right there on the list. Ted arrests him. And finally, knowing he's caught, Fairbanks is silent. Ted congratulates Ted. I think letting us know that he's off her hook a little bit um, in terms of her side investigation. On his way out of the office, Fairbanks stops Kate to say, you think you've got me? You haven't got a clue. In his apartment, Steve realises Lindsay Denton stole his pocketbook when distracting him with grave listings. Outside, he finds his car is missing, reports the theft and hops in a taxi to Lindsay's bedside. Of course, she's not there and he searches for his pocketbook among her things. Meanwhile, Ted attends the scene of her murder at the shipping yard, noticing the car her body is in belongs to Steve. Armed police officers burst into Lindsay's flat followed by Dot and Steve's of for murder. He's completely confused. He's not even in shock. He's just confused. Steve is led to a police station and booked in before he knows that he's alone in a cell.
3: Guys, Steve his... is Steve is literally, like, it's so hard to watch because you're just like, oh my God. Like, I really was like, Steve is a goner. But also Steve is so hungover because he had a fight with Sam and drank wine all night. Can you imagine <laughs> getting arrested like that when you're hanging?
1: He was probably like, did I fucking drive my car somewhere? <laughs> oh, did I lose God, my own pocketbook? Him. And then 25 minutes later, he's arrested for murder. He's Shopping. all over the shop. Yeah. So we cut straight away, no mess. And we cut to his interview with AC12, led by Ted, Kate and Dotty on the other side of the table. During the hours when Lindsay may have died, Steve said he, uh, when Lindsay died, Steve says he was alone at home and he made calls to prove a cause to Lindsay when he realized she had stolen his pocketbook. The last time he saw her alive was the night before in his flat. Kate reveals to Steve that her and Dot were surveilling Steve the entire time she tells him that Kate found the list. Dot gives Steve a hard time over his flaky alibi. Kate reminds him that in the graveyard, Steve told Kate, if there's no list here, Lindsay is going to get what's coming to her. In a painfully awkward moment, Kate plays Steve and Lindsay's audio sex tape oh. to the whole room. Oh, Ted it was literally was swallow him. Yeah, so basically, because Steve lied about it, it proves that he has more than one reason to be annoyed at Lindsay and also Guys, he's been lying throughout this whole thing Do you thing. think
3: it was a full ride or just heavy petting?
0: No, I think it was a heavy pet.
3: Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, but I think heavy pet. So Steve technically was telling the truth, saying he didn't have sex mm. with her, but like he should have said, like it was sexual yeah. relations.
1: Good God, though, guys! Like it's really hammering home the like important matter of consent. But every two seconds, Steve's like, "Is this okay? Is that okay? <laughs> oh, I <Yeah>. couldn't." <laughs> it's it's like Ted's face is hilarious. Dot shows um a number of photos from Lindsay's murder scene, and Steve is shocked to see that Lindsay was shot in his car. He's in trouble for hanging on to the service vehicle despite his suspension and it's not looking good for Steve. In addition to the Times not adding up for him, the firearm he had on him in the office was the murder weapon. Steve insists he returned it and in fact we did see on screen that he did sign it back and demands forensic evidence linking him to the scene. AC-12 have nothing. Even though Lindsay was shot in a car, with his service-issued firearm at such close range, there's no forensic evidence. From a photo, Steve identifies his blood-covered pocketbook found at the scene. Dot implies Steve followed Lindsay in order to get it back, then he lost his cool and murdered her. Steve presses Ted with an important question. If I didn't return my gun, then why didn't anyone follow up on it? Ted makes some excuses, but this is the moment where Kate starts to see through the cracks of what Dot is saying here. She's taking some notes. She starts writing them down, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah, she's just looking at Steve a bit differently and she's like, I'm just going to write that down because that's a very good question. Steve insists he's been set up by someone on the inside. He reminds Ted that ever since AC12 started investigating Danny Waldron, there have been holes in the case. He attempts to discredit dot for not investigating evidence correctly, but Dot manages to remain cool and steer the interview back on track. Showing the room, more photos from Lindsay's murder scene, Dot reveals a sports bag was found in the boot of Steve's car in which was a burner phone. Steve hits the book in roof now because he's like this just is an absolute joke <laughs> Dot continues Investigators found a five pound note in a bag that was in Steve's boot and forensics have connected the note
3: to the 50k bribe received by Lindsay Denton Forensics following have have they but also I Even think two. that Good is point. just too convenient I think that's where Dot really slipped up there like it's he has everything done so well he has Steve's car he's got all of that done but like bloody hell that is just the bit that I'm like it's too unbelievable
1: it's too convenient, yeah. Couldn't agree more. Steve roars, I am not bent. Continuing, Kate tells Steve that Harry Baines received a call ordering the death of Danny Waldron from a phone similar to the device found in Steve's car. The caller had a South East London accent. Dot shows Steve the criminal profile of the caddy. Every bullet point fitting Steve's description. With the profile, the £5 note, the phone, the service vehicle and the gun, the walls are closing around Steve and it's time for him to talk. He turns on Cotton for wrongfully identifying Jeremy Cole as the caddy based on evidence from Dot's former colleague, Nigel Morton. He failed to order forensics on the envelope found in Waldron's flat, which would have proved a missing note. Steve insists Dot removed the note from the envelope and Dot shouts, that's not what was in the envelope. Pulling up another photo, Dot reveals, what was actually in that envelope all along was hidden from Steve, Kate, and Ted. Convenient. It was brought straight to jail, and the contents of the, and the contents of that envelope a white golf tee. Steve is speechless. He remains under arrest pending charges. Uniformed police lead him away. Ted says, "God help me if I ever get a good night's sleep again," and asks Dot to meet him in his office. Now Ted tears through Dot and Jill for sequestering the evidence from the envelope behind his back. He's absolutely furious. He's like, Doc, get out before telling him he's on very thin ice. Jill remains to, uh, to like attempt to calm Ted down and tells him that Fairbanks team are trying to have his child abuse charges dropped, that he wasn't fit for interview, that Ted should have picked up on it and he's claiming senile dementia. She then reminds How him convenient. that Steve has to be charged or released that day, so don't delay your call to the Crown Cross, to the Crown prosecutor. It's all so dodgy, guys.
0: Watching it back now, knowing what we now know, I'm like, how did I not see that? Certain things. Yeah.
1: Completely agree. But you know what? We're so distracted by the other big action sequences and things that yeah. are happening that you just miss out on all the amazing work Minnie was doing, or so true. some of the dodgy dealings that other people were doing. I, yeah, I think
3: it's because that person's hidden in plain sight. Because we know from the very beginning, or well, the first season, at the very end, who the caddy is. You don't look think to question anyone else. Yeah, because you know who it Good is. Point. So you just don't ever second guess anybody else because mm. you're just like, oh yeah, Grant. Do you know? Mm-hmm. It's it does be dot. That's it
1: in a toilet cubicle Dot sends a text from a burner phone that reads job done and so am I then he dismantles the phone and flushes the sim outside the cubicle the bloodied body of Lindsay Denton waits for him he's being haunted by his actions and splashes cold water on his face Ted calls the Crown prosecutor telling him it's Hastings, like the battle but Kate interrupts him just in time we cut to Steve in his cell he's visited by Sam she tells him she doesn't believe a word of the allegations but her DCI has put her on desk duty and wordlessly indicates that they need to spit up Steve is heart broken Kate and Ted pour over evidence in the AC12 office this is late now it's dark out and Jill berates them for delaying the charges against Steve and then out of nowhere Kate cautions Jill she tells Ted to get a grip but Kate pushes her on the Dr. Dr. Murphy file from who did you get that file she asks and Jill just says back whom (laughs) (laughs) throws her literally
4: about to get arrested
3: she's correcting Kate's grammar like
1: whom Jill says in disgust, um, Kate reveals AC-3 signed off Kate in an AC-12 undercover operation. During her investigation, Kate discovered that the file was requested by an AC-12 officer tampered and then handed to Jill who gave to Ted. And who do you think that officer was? with Detective Inspector Matthew Cotton. Jill asks Kate to leave the room and then she tells Ted he's barking up the wrong tree. She defends Cotton's actions but Ted is having none of us even after all this time we spent together. You really don't know me at all. Mineet and her baby have popped into the office literally at midnight to Aww. show Kate and um, Ted crucial traffic cam evidence. Mineet has figured out that Lindsay was followed to the internet cafe in the morning of her murder and she's figured out that the car was using fake plates all along along she's an icon Kate asks why would Steve be driving his own car with fake plates and reminds Ted that Lindsay being as intelligent as she was would have spotted the fake plates and never gotten into the car had Steve been driving out of earshot while waiting for the lift and he calls Kate over and tells her that Dot tried to bury the evidence about the envelope found at Walden's flat. Nigel Morton, his cane, arrived to AC12 offices. He is not happy because it's literally one o'clock in the morning now and he refuses to help before getting confirmation of four things. The next morning, in his gorgeous flat, Doc gets a call, presumably from Ted, who asks him to come in for questioning. He looks worried. Back in AC12, it looks like Kate and Ted have been up all night, and their day is about to get a whole lot worse. Oh, Ted's, still shaving. <laughs> Ted's shaving around.
3: Ted's shaving that morning. I love it.
1: Hilarious And they're slamming the coffee So Jill's still sniffing around Trying to turn Ted away From John and Fairbanks She says We need to find Just enough Ben Coppers But not so many That the public Starts to distrust the police Jill said She's just doing her job With one eye on pure, And I'm doing mine Shouts Ted And it's called Nick and Ben Coppers Yes Ted tells, Yes And he tells Jill to, Jill to get out of his office And write a nice letter Um, What's the word Like hand in her notice Basically
0: Letter of resignation
1: Letter of resignation. He's like, you go off now and write a nice letter of resignation. <laughs> um, so Dot's interview has begun. Here we go. Immediately, Ted is suspicious of Dot's golf tee finding at Waldron's home. It was, a, it was two steps too far. Kate asks if Dot put pressure on me not to disclose the envelope forensics to Steve. He says yes, but that he did it because he was suspicious of Steve. Ted reminds Dot that forensics pointed to a missing note, not a golf tee. Dot has an answer for everything. Ted pulls up Brona Murphy's doctored file which would have allowed AC-12 to connect Murphy to Hunter and historic child sexual abuse. Ted puts it to Dot that he was familiar with the file before Ted granted him access. Dot omits it but again he has an answer for everything. DS yes, Nicola Rogerson who's actually Steve's ex from season two
3: mm, yeah, gave them-
1: <laughs> the file to Dot. He is a former girlfriend of Steve or er, Dot tells the room therefore Dot is implying that Rogerson Altered the file as a favour to Steve. Ted's embarrassed that Kate didn't reveal Nicola was Steve's ex. Moving on. Kate puts to Dot that he lied about requesting a second postmortem on Rod Kennedy's body, and she a ruthless icon through the whole scene. Dot apologised unreservedly for his error in attempting to wear a of mounting evidence against him. Ted implies that Dot didn't want anyone else to realize that Rod didn't die by suicide, that he was in fact murdered. Continuing, Ted pulls up evidence found in Dot's car. His lawyer attempts to block the info as AC-12 should have requested a warrant for the search. However, as the vehicle belongs to the police, this isn't the case. Dot's lawyer tells Ted to caution Dot or stop the interview. Dot makes to the door of the interview room before Ted dramatically tells him, sit back down.
4: <laughs> Kate
1: puts her findings to Dot. Fibers from the noose in the warehouse where Harry Baines was found were discovered in the boot of Dot's car. Mm-hmm. Ted tells him he put the noose there to frame Baines for Rod Kennedy's murder. Dot takes a long drink of water before cooking up an excuse. The fiber is transferred to his jacket in the warehouse and after a long day at work, the first thing he does is throw his jacket in the boot. Kate moves on, displaying on the screen a burner phone. Does Dot recognize them? No, I'll give you a no, said Ted. This is the phone that a witness, which we know is Morton, connected directly to Dot and on the phone, AC12 found a call to Tommy Hunter on the night of his arrest the night that Tony Gates died in season 1 Dot demands forensic evidence linking him to the phone insisting Morton's evidence is not enough however Morton also revealed that Dot forced him to attribute the alias of the caddy to Jeremy Cole
0: like Dot is raging with Morton at this point because he thought that phone and sim card was destroyed he thought he set fire to that sim card Mm
1: -hmm. he thought Morton was his friend and he thought he could trust him Unfazed. No more prawn crackers for them? Absolutely none. Kate asks where Dot was in the morning of Lindsay's murder. Dot and the lawyer are shook. She pulls up Monique's traffic cam evidence of Steve's car with the fake plates. When Lindsay's body was discovered, the plates were were missing. Why would he leave his car and gun but remove the plates? Would Lindsay have gotten into Steve's car with the fake plates? The game is almost up for Dot. Kate reveals that the booking officer at the arms held corroborates that Steve returned his firearm Kate tells Doc that the night before Steve's murder Doc called her to tell her that his lead on Steve a lead that assured he planted the money in Lindsay's apartment had panned out Mm. so what was the lead she asked oh Doc goes oh um, I glimpsed some banknotes in his gym bag earlier that day ridiculous that makes absolutely no fucking sense because Ted's like okay so you saw banknotes from a distance how on earth would you have known they were connected to the 50K? Yeah. He's faltering. He's lying. Again, Ted asks, and the lies are just getting ridiculous now. Ted asks, where were you in the morning of Lindsay Denton's murder? He refuses to to answer as the interview is voluntary. Ted says, go ahead, leave that question hanging over you and your career. A worried dot then tells Ted, oh, you know, I was in my flat. Say it again, says Kate. She reminds him that he is mentioned when questioned something. (laughs) Which he may later rely on in court. So Kate knows something we don't hear. Mm -hmm. Backtracking, he says he'll need to think about his answer. Then, then, pulling his phone from his pocket, he sends a text which reads urgent exit required, all caps to three saved numbers, removals, talk and ride guys here we fucking go an armed officer outside the interview room turns shoots the second officer Dot runs from the office with the armed officer Kate grabs a gun and a vest and shoots after him there's a pick up point it's all arranged Dot tells his accomplice as they tear across the city Kate hops onto the side of a moving truck I love to follow Dot it is. I honestly, I'm not exaggerating. I think it's the best thing I've ever fucking She's seen.
0: Like hanging on off the wing mirror.
3: My heart was in my mouth. She's like, drive, follow that man.
1: Guys, two seconds ago, she was doing an interview and it was calm. And now she's got a gun. She's got the vest. She's on the side of a moving truck, following (laughs) Dot as far as she can before jumping off and running on foot, all the while keeping Ted up to date back at AC12. Ted's attempting to regain control while the shot officer bleeds out on the ground. Kate continues to run after Dot and the armed officer passes by, are shocked by the whole thing. (laughs) Dot pulls a gun. Um... On her, but without a clear shot, he escapes. Kate take, or Kate calls Ted to tell him that there's one suspect down because she's managed to shoot the other armed officer, and that dot is on his way to the Moss Heath flyover. Heard that Ted one demands. Yeah, Moss, Moss Heath. Heath. That is exactly that's where the um, the murders happened at the beginning of season two. Yes, Ted demands Minnie to find out where the armed response unit is. Kate's out there on her own. Kate catches Dot in a housing estate They're under the moss He's fly over His pickup is nowhere to be seen And we think they've abandoned him They're both holding guns to each other Now Dot has this little Like shock, like shotgun thing But Kate has this big huge yeah. fucking rifle oh, it's, it's a bloody massive. machine gun yeah. isn't it? <laughs> A machine gun. Like, in an attempt to win him over, she reveals that she actually did want to sleep with him, like that they were friends. Dot has figured out that on the morning of Lindsay's murder, Kate went to his flat. Mm. So that's the information that she knew. So when she was in the interview room, being like, Oh, tell me where you were again, she was in his flat and she knew he wasn't there. So it would never stand up in court. She knows he's trying to frame Steve so he can get out for good in the most amazing speech. She pushes him to confess that Fairbanks is going to get off monsters who have ruined people's lives, that Dodd has names and faces that could fix all of this. But just then, she's run over (gasps) by a black jeep. She's run over by a car, guys. Dodd hops in and escapes once more. But RK has not given up. She's straight back up onto the flyover, limping. She's kind of running up and down on the bridge because she can see so many different roads from that flyover. She's so, so she's fast at taking, isn't
3: she, though? Yeah. Like she really is like, so trying to clever. figure out the route and she's waiting for them when they come back.
1: That's it. She's able to follow the route that Steve is, or that Dot's taken in that Jeep because she nearly has this like aerial view. So she attempts to fire at the car from a number of vantage points and finally she succeeds. The Jeep swerves and crashes into a housing estate. Kate runs from the scene, shouting armed police get back. Doc crawls from the vehicle, bleeding heavily from a head wound. A helmet wearing person from the back seat of the car mm-hmm. fires two shots at Kate that would have been fatal, except Doc jumps in front of her and takes the bullet. Armed response arrives and Kate leans in to take his dying declaration. The shot pans out to show a scene of total destruction. And guys, it happened so fast.
0: So Even fast. Even though
1: I know what happens, it still gives me chills. Is she only... Just
0: I was a bit confused incredible. when you watching it. Kate fires one shot. Who does she hit in the car? The driver. She hits
1: the driver. Yeah, yeah. The driver
0: was not the... Obviously, so there was three people in the car. There was the driver, Dot, and this... Hel- there's a
1: driver. She hits the driver. Dot okay. and a helmeted man. Yes, okay. Yeah. So, an officer opens Steve's cell, telling him he's free to go. Kate arrives at the door and he just says, Kate. And she goes, who else would it be? And then they have a big hug. It's
3: so cute. Because they really weren't on the best terms
1: for the whole season. It's not nice to see
3: them fighting now.
1: They're back on track, guys. Fairbanks is arrested during a game of bowls and Ted and (laughs) Steve watch on. Nigel Morton cuts his grass, marching up and down the lawn. Not a cane in sight.
0: And
1: then we get to the... The little roundup that Jed always gives us at the end. Matthew Cotton's dying declaration provided crucial evidence in AC-12's case against Patrick Fairbank. Patrick Fairbank's application to discontinue legal proceedings was rejected by the Crown Prosecutor. Detective Constable Nigel Morton retired on a full pension (laughs) and remains in receipt of disability
0: benefits. (laughs) (laughs) He's just a brat. Guys, he is...
1: that sentence comes up right and he's literally up and down the lawn mowing the lawn and the cane is just resting on a nearby
3: wall oh my god he has to make a return i want him to like be called in and he's in marbella like yeah. i want him to be living in the, the holiday yeah. home and he has to come back because there's way more stuff on those phones like i think there's 100%. more yeah
1: and just the general audacity of mine just love oh, his vibe
0: same same
1: Oh my um, the coroner praised Lindsay Denton's significant contribution to inquiries into the Caddy and Sandy Boy's home. Lindsay Denton received a local authority funeral. No mourners were present. It's the most fucking depressing thing you'll ever see. Kay Fleming was awarded a commendation for her actions in apprehending the Caddy. The exact same award that Dot received at the beginning of episode five. She has since been promoted to de- detective sergeant. Patrick Fairbanks trial. Is that why Steve has to call her ma'am now?
0: Yep. Councillor yep.
1: Roach. That's exactly it. And that's kind of a bone of um, contention now in season four because they're not on the same level anymore. Patrick Fairbanks' trial heard evidence that police inaction enabled councillor Rout and others to commit offences at Sandsview. Fairbanks was convicted on all charges and is currently serving a 10-year sentence at HMP, H-M-P Blackthorne. And he's kind of led into prison and people are throwing eggs exit him and everything. And then the very last scene, Steve Arnick, Kay Fleming and Ted Hastings continue to Serve as anti corruption officers, and that is season three. Oh, well Amazing, done, Hannah. thanks,
0: Hannah. Oh, that last episode is just the best.
3: It honestly, now it's, that we've seen Bodyguard, but it actually kind of reminds me a bit of Bodyguard. Yeah, the action in it, yeah, the yeah. action and everything. You can just kind of see, like, I don't know. I just honestly, your heart is in your mouth from the second Lindsay shot to that whole final, uh. 90 minute finale is absolutely incredible I also have a much greater appreciation for how amazing Craig Parkinson is in this yeah like he is is
1: absolutely brilliant and guys do you know what remember my theory that he might be coming back I I think I might have to let that one go because I forgot that that, um, his dying declaration was Mm. what put Fairbanks away and if he returns his dying declaration is thrown out like we saw happen in season 2
0: um, I, so I, I also think just think that, that he's dead.
1: Yeah, he's dead.
0: Yeah, he's just dead. Yeah, I know.
1: I think I'm in denial. But come here, right? Yeah, go on. What do you think? What, what about Fairbanks?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's, in that he he j- jailed thing. for what ten years.
1: Ten years in so, Blackthorn prison, which is great. Track suit wear in
3: prison. Is Lee Banks, that's in where Lee Banks in Blackthorn. Lee Banks from season five's in Blackthorn, Guys.
0: isn't he? And Ted is being all visiting. In yeah, mm.
3: they're all in Blackthorn. Lee Banks is in Blackthorn.
1: I mean, Fair is it Banks just is the Blackthorn. local prison? Is the, there's yeah. another man that's coming up in season four who's in Blackthorn? So yes, it's the local prison. But I just think, see, I think the list, and I think Santa, you boys, home are like are the pinnacle are, is the centre of the entire line of duty yeah. not just season two and three I think it's the centre of the entire series you're right so I think he's potentially coming back yeah Um, to maybe rat out on some of those um listed names to maybe give some information maybe is he going for immunity is he going to give us some information around Dodd around Sandsview it's all coming back I, w- I would really love for pink. season
0: six though to kind of loop back into seasons two and three a bit more than than I five did. Been. Yeah. So would
3: I. But can I say one thing? We're obviously going to be doing season four next, and I love season four. I've only ever watched it once, but season four does feel a bit more Stand standalone. standalone. Totally. And I wonder. Yeah. I, I. I. I'm like, is there a connection to season four that we are going to see a bit more of again? Do you know what I mean? Because we no. one, two, and three are so um they're tied together. Like they're they're tied in a nice bow. Really well, yeah. Apart from the Sandview situation, but it also could be a closed chapter as well. But four is just very different to the first three, so. yeah. So here's my
1: theory. And Rab, you said something during this episode which made me think this. I so I'm adamant that Sansview and the list are the center of the whole line of GD series. Yeah. And I think um we can't talk too much about season five, but in season five. AC12 investigate outside of the police for the first time okay and i think what jed is doing is sort of creating this web of all of these different types of people that connect to the list and to sandu so we've had the police officers as you brought up in this inter- in this episode Rab, about oliver um Lloyd. Stephen you've got Lloyd, the yeah. social workers
3: Yep. then jane hargreaves jane hargreaves you, you mentioned yeah. could be met, could he be a relation of a different hargreaves we know Exactly, so I think we've got the police section, we've got the
1: social work section, we've got in season five, John and Arena for people, but you've got the kind of organised crime connection. Yeah. So potentially there's a connection in season four that we can't really see is a forensics. Mm, I'd thing. like I it to be yeah. in forensics. Yeah, love it to be. X is in forensics. I just think it's coming back, and I think they're just showing us that when something like a huge child sex ring exists, that it exists in all facets of life from politicians to crime to everyday people to social workers that is just what I think they're I all involved in the cover up no
3: you're right but the media can be involved as well there's loads more to it and you've got it. Nigel
1: Morton's link to the media that yeah. is what he does he yeah. does the press and that's where he's making his side money he's paying the press I honestly think we could see a season 7 could absolutely be a big media season Yeah. so I just think could be looking too much into it but I think every season might have given us a different
3: facet yeah. of, of that connects us back to this list in the too but also that list was given to us for a reason we all just forgot about it though because we just see Fairbanks and we I see Dale I think we Dale. should share
1: it to our Instagram will we yeah
0: yes. absolutely Yeah, yes. I screen grabbed it so the list is because there because there are other names more, there you know, yeah. you've,
1: got, you've got Dale Tommy Hunter Linus and Ronan and Patrick Fairbanks we've met all them there's about 15 other names on the list and we have not come across those people yet and I don't think they're there for the crack
3: bring on season 6 baby
1: Guys, I'm exhausted. to know about you.
0: Yeah, that's our longest podcast yet. So congratulations if you've made it this far, listening.
1: Thank you so much Thanks for listening. For I'm off for a curry.
0: Oh, lovely! What are you? What? What, what are you going to get? Who are
4: you
1: were you more know, than dot I, I just feel like I'm going to do a dot because I've been sitting in the car for three hours. I'm sweating now. I might just finish this off with a nice engine. You're dead
0: <laughs> right. Be
3: sweating after that as well. <laughs>
0: So, thanks for listening. Um, If you want to chat to us, we're at Shrine Pod on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and you can email us shrinepod at gmail.com.
3: We will be back very shortly, hopefully pending restrictions, with the Season 4 recap. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have any weird theories, send them in to us, please, because we do love them.
1: Check out that list that we are uploading on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Let us know what you think. And until then, we'll be back with Season 4.
5: Shrine of Duty. There's only one thing I'm interested in, and one thing only, and that's bent
4: covers. Shrine of Duty.
2: The official, unofficial podcast.